and welcome to episode 38 of the Power Pod. With your boys, Mark and Owen. 38. Yeah, it's back again. How you been? How you getting on? I've been pretty good. How have you been, anyway? I've been great. I've been great. Mm. It's been a, It's actually been a horrible few days, but... Man, the weather is shocking. It's shocking. Climate hail. change. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, hail. But, like, the worst part is, like, right now, it's beautiful. Like, look look outside yeah. the window right now. Look at this. It's lovely. Cl- lovely out there, but then you have all these massive dark clouds on the other window. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look over your, over your shoulder one direction, and looking over the other. It's compl- two completely different worlds. You got to keep, uh, you know... Keep an eye on keep both your, shoulders. Keep your wits about you. Yeah, yeah. You, you're going to get attacked by hail any second. You never know. You're going to get a sunburn on the other shoulder. Jeez, you know, Irish weather. What? That is fucking fine. I can't be for a May, man. What the fuck? Yeah, May. May is usually the best. The best the best month of the year. I'm sure we'll get something nice later on in the month, you know. It's the fact that we're five months into this year, though. That's depressing. Yeah. Jeez, we're nearly halfway through 2020. And we're still technically at level five. <laughs> yeah, level five. Uh, Lockdown's that? over, sure. Lockdown's over when this comes out, yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Lockdown pretty much is over anyway. Like, <laughs> no, one's, no one's doing anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's just things aren't open. That's the only difference. Yeah. You know? Isn't it like 15 people can now meet up outside? <laughs> I have no idea. I think it's something like, yeah, I start following the things. But I heard that. I was like, that, it's like that's just, so there's no restrictions then yeah. pretty, pretty much, you know? You're just not letting anyone meet inside. Yeah. But when they open up things, though, the, the web hubs can open up and all, so... Mm, yeah, if they have an outside area. Oh, all, is it? All the old man pubs won't be opening up. Oh. Unless, unless, because um, McGowan's is opening up, for example, and that only has a an indoor smoking area. So the Goose could also open up on that on that same premise, you know? Cause oh, they really? An, they have an indoor smoking area. It's more like a box, more like a, a yeah. zoo, more like a prison cell, but at yeah. the same time, <laughs> maybe they'll bend the rules. Do you know what I've been thinking this week? What? Alright, so I was listening to a podcast and they brought this up and because of Kong and Godzilla I've also been thinking about this. Man, like, I was just looking up lists of monkeys and shit like that. Mm. Would you ever fight a monkey? What kind of monkey? See, that's what I'm saying, right? Because that's yeah. what, this is what the fellow was saying on the podcast. He was saying like, when you, lo- when you look up like a list of monkeys, it's really low down before you're just like, yeah, that would be a fair, like, I could handle that. Yeah, yeah. Monkeys like, are so fucked up. Like, monkeys, like... Like with tails and stuff, like any like, like a baboon. Baboons fuck you up. Yo, a baboon would kill you. Yeah, yeah. yeah Chimps fuck you up. Chimps would kill you. Orangutans, apes, any type of large monkey, they fuck you up. But even small ones, man, they would fucking. I was looking at a, uh, what the fuck was it called? Uh, like a kind of marquee, mar- 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 marquee kind of thing. Whereas like a black, it had like a black face, it's like this little black monkey. Oh. It's got like a little furry face. Man, it's teeth. Holy shit. It was like, it weighs like 10 kilos. That thing would fucking maul you. Yeah, monkeys, man. You know, the perfect, perfect machine. Nature's perfect machine. That's perfect a, that's how machine. We, that's how we got here. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. our monkeys. Animals uh, everywhere. <laughs> scary things. Scary things. But like, that's just a, like, why the fuck did nature make something so fucking horrific? Like, so OP, like. And like, they have no empathy. Like, to, when they're fighting something, they have no empathy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, that's how, that's how they got to be so fearsome, isn't mm. it, you know? That's it, how we got to where we are. Yeah, certain world wars, you know, nuclear bombs. You know, imagine imagine, imagine what the monkeys think of us. Yeah. Like, these people have no empathy. They they just, they, they slaughter each other en masse and stuff, you know. They they probably hate us. Oh, Maybe, yeah. I'm sure they're afraid of us, but also, yeah, fucking hell. Marmosets and shit like that. Never see them? No. They size your pinky. Oh, yeah, they're really cute, though. Still wouldn't mess with them. No. 
wouldn't mess with them. <laughs> <laughs> but like with the like with orangutans, I've never seen an orangutan angry. Yeah, I but think, I'm I think they're really really happy that I haven't seen that because I feel like that yeah. would be fucking terrifying. Yeah, I feel like they're pretty like chilled until they're not. Yeah, well, yeah, I've never seen them angry about anything. Even well, I've seen them ever see the video of the orangutan like like uh, attacking like a bulldozer. No, that's knocking down its home. No. Well, do no, I want to see this? Well, like, yeah. Well, it's like I you're like, like, yeah, go on, lad. You know. But I feel like you could like I feel like uh, like an orangutan is smart enough to like climb up on top of the bulldozer and like open up the hatch and like reach his long arm in and just pull you out and that's it. Oh, he didn't do that. But like, I feel like he'd be smart enough to do that. He probably could if they, you know, unionize or whatever. <laughs> the monkeys are unionizing. <laughs> the monkeys got a union. We got to start busting this out. That yeah. just turns into Avatar. Then <laughs> that's basically what it is. Yeah. Were we ever talking about on the podcast about that? The, like, tribe of monkeys. I feel like we might have talked about this before. The ones that went to war. But, like, the one that, like, tortured his dad. Yeah. Because he's part yeah. of the... Oh. Yeah, Jane Goodall. Yeah. And she was like, oh, monkeys are... They're, they're noble creatures, and they, they're, you know, creatures of peace. And then there's this tri- two tribes, and there's, there's, like, one break-off, breakaway tribe, and the head of the breakaway tribe was, like, the son of, like, the alpha in the other tribe. And he went in, and, like, fucking ate his fucking mentor alive yeah and like tortured him in front of everyone else and then absorbed the other tribe and then he stood up and said no yeah and then Jane was like oh god I don't know about this and James Franco was like we gotta get the fuck out of here yeah. <laughs> yeah you know they're crazy they are crazy they're gonna do something soon you know oh they have to otherwise they're gonna get wiped out mm. cause you know there's gonna be a point in like I don't know a hundred years there'll be, no, there'll be no wild chimpanzees yeah you know, probably. Man, you know, like, uh, anytime... When the Congo was a city and stuff. Anytime I think about, like, the future, I'm just like, there's no hope, is there? Like, to read... There's no <laughs> hope. You should be on a very depressive buzz today. <laughs> oh, man, it's like, oh, I'm just like, there's just no hope. <laughs> looking for gas, looking at the future, it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I wonder if that's just a human thing as well, just to be, like, extremely... Pessimistic. Pessimistic about the future. Yeah. But, like, imagine back in the day, like, say, 200 years ago, and... Um, like, they didn't really have a concept of the future the same way we do now. No. Because, like, things have pretty much been the same as long as anyone could remember. Yeah. And before that, no one knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah, like, how long have the kings and queens been around? Yeah, yeah. And before just, 200 years? They just accepted it, and they didn't think, ah, oh, in, like, 100 years' time, things are going to be so different. But they they always had that, like, uh, the idea that the world is going to end. Like, that's what they they clung yeah. on to. It's like, oh, God's going to come down. Jesus is going to come down. You know, fucking Muhammad's going to come back or whatever. But, like, nowadays, we just think... We sort of replaced that and we're like... With science? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Science is the new God. And instead of Jesus or the rapture or the apocalypse... We have Elon like, Musk. Yeah. We have, yeah. Instead of Jesus, we have Elon Musk. And instead of uh, the apocalypse, we have uh, climate change, which is going to destroy civilization. And then we'll all meet our judgment then, which is pretty much the same thing. Because in both cases, you don't have to do anything about it because it's much bigger than you. Yeah. And you're just reliant on some like Superman kind of figure who doesn't really exist. And then you're like... You know, eventually something's going to happen. Something yeah. breaks, something, you know, caves in. Something has to change. You know? Yeah, something has to change. That's just, that's just, <laughs> that's just physics, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Perpetual hof- motion, whatever. Yeah, hopefully the monkeys come up with something because, you know, they're the ones that are under pressure. Yeah, they're the ones with the brains as well. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the ones with the, with the potential. Do you Mo- the monkeys, the whales, and the dolphins. They need to unionize. Yeah. And those and those, and those those squids, man, I was showing you about those underwater yeah. squids. Yeah, imagine, imagine there was a, an attack from the sea. But also from above, because the the monkeys and, and on the trees the, and on the land. Yeah, what would be on the land though? Dogs. <laughs> the dogs take over. Yeah. 
Planet of the Dogs. Man, well, he, like, actually looking at dogs as well, like, I don't know if Sam, right? But if Sam wanted to fuck me up in, in his youth, not now because he's old, but like in his <laughs> youth, he could have fucked me up, no bother. Absolutely, yeah. Like a Labrador could easily kill a man. I think all the other animals would hate dogs, though. They'd be like, you're a fucking traitor. You, you, <laughs> you're, you're a you scab. Did this. Yeah, you're a scab. <laughs> you're, a fucking, you're a fucking leech. Like, you know, dogs, do- if we're going down, dogs are going with us. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah, let's be real. Yeah, that was the deal we went we entered into ten thousand years ago. <laughs> it's like, listen, wolf, this <laughs> is gonna happen. We're gonna be top dogs for ten thousand years, but after that, it's over. Yeah, I got a proposition for you, bro. <laughs> ten thousand years of luxury, and then a millennia of peasantry. Yeah, it's grim, but you know, nature is very, very beautiful at the same time. Like Nomadland reminds me of that. It is landscape and Nomadland. Yeah, watch, do you watch Nomadland as well? Didn't you? I did. I watched it there last night. It's yeah, Oscar award winning best picture. Best picture. The best film of twenty twenty. That's what they say. That's, That's what, what they say. say. Um, it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. It's like, one of those Oscar films. It really is. I feel yeah. like when I was watching it, I could just imagine these fucking guns in Hollywood be like mm, yes the, the common man is very interesting look yeah, at all, yeah. Look at all the hardship he goes through <laughs> yeah yeah like it doesn't seem to reflect on itself that much like it, it's nice but it seems pretty like kind of shallow in the way the it, Oscar films are it like like purposely doesn't really say anything yeah like I don't like it's about her obviously it's like a character study she is the most boring character yeah she just she's like she's uh she's a Francis McDormand kind of character you know she's very good in it She's a good, she's good in it, but like same she always yeah. does, you know. It's just like she's, she's like she's a strong woman, headstrong, does her own thing. Uh, you know, you like you feel bad for her, and then you're like, wow, she's like, how's she getting through this and stuff like mm. that. And uh, she, you know, she persists all the way through, and that's you know, yeah, that's pretty much it. See, like the one, because like what, like yeah, uh, before I go watched it, I'd heard like, oh yeah, like all the uh, all the nomads and stuff are like you know actual nomads, and like that aspect of it is pretty cool. Because they're easily the most interesting, like... I don't want to say characters, because they're not really characters. They're, like... They're pretty much who they are. Like, they're just people. It's kind of like a documentary in that sense. Yeah, because a lot of them are real nomads, yeah. you know? Like, your man... Um, your man, Bob, like, the main yeah. guy, who's talking about... Uh, he has a scene with her where he's talking about, like, his, his son committing suicide. And, like, uh, Swanky and stuff like that. With the, with yeah, the birds. Swanky. Is she actually died? I don't know. I yeah. assume... I assume that it would have came up with, like, a... In memory of Swanky, if mm. she died. Yeah, imagine. While well, she's still alive, it's just like... Yeah, I don't she's know. She's the premiere. I didn't even look at that, actually. I wonder yeah, if she's alive. She wanted to look that up. But, like, with her... Like, I know it's just... Like, when those moments where, like... It is just, like, a full-on... Like, it is, like, a documentary. And it's even, like... Oh, she's still alive. It's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe Zhao posed on red carpet with real-life nomad Charlene Swanky, who so, died in her who film. Who died in her <laughs> film. That's so weird. That is very weird. But, like, did you notice the major, like... um kind of shift in tone in those moments where it was like so like bob or like uh swanky or um alice isn't like i can't remember her name mm. the third one and um, when they're talking about their life or whatever like it is very obvious that francis mcdormand isn't there for it because they're never shown in the same shot it's just shot reverse shot shot mm. reverse shot and swanky at what and during her bit of doing that isn't even looking in the direction where Francis McDormand supposedly is. She's kind of looking at the camera and looking like slightly to the left of the camera. Mm. But like <clears throat> the way that Francis McDormand is positioned in the scene is directly to her left. Like she should be looking at a different direction. Mm. And like I, that was like, I noticed a really different shift in tone in her voice as well, where like she was talking very normally or whatever. And then all of a sudden she got really like, um, 
sentimental, I guess, yeah. in her tone of voice. But like, it, like she was saying one sentence and then one word, the tone of her voice completely changed because that's where they like yeah, put it, it in, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and it was really jarring. Yeah, uh, th- those those sequences <clears throat> were, were always more interesting though. Yeah, they're and they're the, and there's only a few of them. Yeah, and but you could tell, uh, like I don't know about the. I thought the the shot reverse shot thing was just like a stylistic thing for. I feel like it, I just feel yeah. like Francis McDormand just wasn't there for it. Maybe it was, but like you, you, I could definitely tell like a disconnect. Like yeah. in those scenes, she's talking to Swanky or whatever. Like, like obviously Francis Francis McDormand put in like a great performance and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she's like really believable and stuff. But in those scenes, I like I never got the feeling that she actually. I just saw her as an actor. Yeah, because she she just didn't seem to. Uh, actually embody like yeah. what a nomad is because they're living two she, entirely different lives yeah because she's like a fucking millionaire actress and stuff yeah and she, they, they did she's live the comb brother <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and then she's sitting beside a person who actually lives out of a van and has been doing so for like you know like 15 years or whatever so it, it didn't seem like it it, it, it it was a weird contrast mm. but like she she did live out of a van like her and her and the director lived out of, yeah like they did live the nomad lifestyle but at the same time you know, it sort of goes to show the limitations maybe of uh, method acting that you, you can never really yeah. actually that's a, get yeah, to the, the nut of it, you know? Yeah, that's better. Get, going back to method. two episodes ago. Yeah, <laughs> the method. But, the like, method. yeah, because that is the same thing where, like, you, like, Francis McDormand didn't, like, she was living like a nomad, but she isn't a nomad. Mm. And they're two di- very different things. Yeah, very, very different. And you notice it in those scenes. It's shot beautifully, though. It is. It's very, very nice. And that American landscape is amazing. Yeah, the mountains and stuff and, like, the deserts. Yeah, it makes you want to go to America, you know, yeah. do a road trip or Just something. Just float around. Yeah, float around. It's gas that can do that, you know. Yeah, yeah, because if you did that in Ireland, you you just you sort of hit a wall after yeah. a few few hundred kilometers. You yeah, know? Um, Ireland's nice though as well. Yeah, you, could, you could probably nice. do something like this in Ireland, but you definitely could. You know, I assume that there are people that live like like living in a van. That's mm. my TikTok craze at the moment. Living in a van, like kind of romanticizing it, but it's just like like it's just a form of homelessness. Yeah, like living in a van. Isn't there like didn't Roddy Doyle do a movie about that? About like a uh, homeless, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called. It's a homeless woman and her, her family. They they basically live in a van for half of it. But it's like a drama. It's like a, it's like a sad story. Does that have your one from Harry Potter in it? I don't know. I think it is like the lady in the van. I think it's called like the lady in the van or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, but it's not a good, it's not a good thing. Yeah, no. Unless you're really rich and you know, you can afford like a, big a van, bougie van. Like a massive van. Like know? one of those vans, like the fucking RVs that they came into. Yeah, yeah. Unless yeah, unless you're driving around in an RV. I don't think it's... Which is just a mobile, which is just a house. Yeah. Those mobile, those fucking RVs are nicer than we have. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Nomadland doesn't like really uh, romanticize it. Because like there's a scene where she just... She gets fucking. She starts shitting herself, mm. and she's shitting in the bucket. And it's just, it's just you staring at Franz McDormand in a in a van, back of a very dark van. Yeah, and she's sitting on a, on a bucket, and it's like this isn't this doesn't look too good. You yeah, know? but those moments aren't really dwelled on because then it just moves along very quickly after that. Yeah, it's it's not a, you know, it's not lethargic or anything. It doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't really reflect on itself. Yeah, yeah. There's there's always like a sense all the way through it that it's like, it just doesn't want to, you know, I don't know, not not commit. It's like. Uh, it doesn't like, or maybe yeah, maybe like it doesn't want to commit to being like a documentary, mm. or it's like it's like sort of straddling documentary character study kind of thing, but you sort of want either one of them to have something to say about it, yeah. Because your man Bob, I know Bob, the, your man Bob is like a real YouTuber uh, who does all the stuff. He like, mm. uh, like he's actually like a guru for uh, whatever, like fucking RV living, yeah, and stuff like that. But he's like a communist and stuff, and like he's like, he yeah, does, yeah, yeah, he has, scenes. He has a speech at the start where he talks about like economic. Uh, distress, yeah, and uh, 
like what the nomad lifestyle means in terms of in its relation to the rest of society and how it's like sort of a protest and they're all sticking together as like a you know communal kind of thing mm. but like she, she never really uh engages with that at all like no, she, she she's, sho- she's just sitting there for it yeah she just she just sits there and then towards the end she returns to like their yearly gathering yeah but then she goes off back uh, you know uh doing her own thing and it's like I don't know. It could have done something else. There. I would have been more interesting to do do something else there. I think. But even in terms of Frances McDormand's character, like you, like you know a little bit about her, and like you spend the entire film with her, but she's like, she's a boring character. Like there's everyone, everyone that she meets is a more interesting character than her. Yeah. And yet she's the vessel that we're that we're with the entire way through. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. You know. Yeah. I think though that Chloe Zhao, Zhao uh, definitely deserved best uh, director. Award, mm. I think she did. I think she did deserve that. But I also wonder, what if Werner Herzog did this film? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like something that would have been way an better. Est- an ecstatic truth of the of what this is. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the entire time I was watching, I was like, someone else could have done this mm. better. Yeah, that's literally what it. That, that's a Werner Herzog version of this would be amazing. Yeah, you know, or like, even just a documentary of it. Like this made, film made me want to watch a documentary about nomads. About the nomads. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because the, the whole thing with... Because um, obviously it's about the nomads themselves, but then it's about her in the sense that it's about, like, uh, remembering and, like, memory and, like, mm. moving on and loss and grief. Like, all these things that have been, like, well-tread by pretty much, you know, countless dramatic works over yeah. the past, like, 300 years. Like, after a while, it's just sort of... It's like... It, like, you're not paying attention to that part of the film. It's, it's more... It's, it's, there's no emotion to it, really, either. I didn't feel yeah. any emotion in it. Yeah. Like, I felt bad for your man... Uh, David Strathairn's character, like I thought he was more interesting. I thought he is was, that the fellow that moves that yeah he, he has the gaff. And he goes back to the gaff yeah. and he invites her back to yeah. live with him. I thought he was cool and his family. I thought I thought it was, she was going to stay there and like yeah. that'd be the end of the film. Like that still would have been a bit like you know boring. But yeah. like I thought that would have made more sense maybe. But yeah, Werner Herzog film of this would be like way more interesting, way more scope for the characters to sort of be themselves mm-hmm. and like, sort of develop and. uh you know, sort of to provoke questions in the viewer and stuff like, like what's what's the relation there to the rest of them? Because there's no, they don't talk about anything except for their own lives. That's like, it as well. They they mention the Great Recession at the start of the film. But yeah. Like, there's nothing. It's never mentioned again. And like, the, you're supposed to. I assume you're supposed to think that like this is still going on. Like yeah. this is like these people are. This is like set in the present day. Yeah. But like obviously it's rooted in the Great Recession. Everyone lost their gaffes and stuff. And. uh Francis McDormand's character like originally left because the entire town shut down because mm. there was no jobs, but they never they never talk about anything to do yeah. with the economy or uh, or why, politics. Why like why yeah. they are actually there or why they're doing that? Yeah, uh huh. It's bizarre. It's kind of, yeah because they just kind of talk about the beauty of being a nomad, but not the yeah. It's, it's like all these beautiful moments of being a nomad, and there is like all the loneliness of it, but there's not the the greater force that has brought them to this point. Yeah, it's beautiful for like you know Francis McDormand being like millionaire actress even chloe Zhao is like from a billionaire family like it's beautiful in the sense of like you know getting in touch with nature it's like oh the landscapes are amazing all these colorful characters but if you're actually that character living out the back of a van and you're like 56 years old and you've no job and you just travel around the country with like only a few transient mates it's like it's beautiful in the sense, but it's also like, why do I have to do this? Like, why is this a thing? Yeah, you even know? the fact that Amazon is in the film and there's never really a critique yeah, they, of Amazon. They really. don't talk about it. They just mention it and stuff. It's like, oh, she just works here and it shows and it's like, oh God, that's really dull. But it's like, 
what about like all the all the cases of horrific abuse that Amazon workers go through? The yeah. fact that they can't unionize and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just like there's nothing like that in the film. Yeah, like Amazon obviously. Like that's that's gotten obviously way bigger since the recession. And that's also I feel like those those scenes and stuff were approved by Amazon. Yeah, they definitely would have had yeah. to be, yeah. Uh, uh, otherwise they would have just used the maybe even paid for by Amazon. They would have just used a different company, maybe. Yeah. Know? And the fact that it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus, which is a bit weird. Yeah. I was amazed that you didn't have to pay for it. I was amazed that it's it's just on Disney mm. Plus. Yeah, they should they should have that for all of them to be fair, you know. Because uh, I, I want to watch the other the other Oscar films, but I don't know where to get them, you know. Or yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I'd have to go looking for them. And then you'd have to go looking for them, or if you want to find them easy enough, you have to pay like 30 quid or whatever. Yeah, fuck that. Choose the Black Messiah. I really want to watch that. I'll see you that. next year. I'll see you next year. I do want to watch that film. Mm, same. But, yeah. No, man, I was, it was good, but... It's good. It's good. It's it's an Oscar movie, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's all there is, though. They're all pretty much the same. You know. The sky was the mo- was the best character in the film. Holy shit, that sky was yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, like the, like the direction's really good. Like, yeah, you know, and even the fact that she was able to like incorporate like you know documentary style with, uh, you know, m- the more like the fiction basically of of it all. Yeah, but there was still there. I don't know. I don't know how you how you can do that though, because there are, will always be a noticeable disconnect between reality and fiction. Yeah, yeah. The only person who could do that is someone who's like honest about it. Like, mm. someone who goes in as an outsider, like, Herzog. Yeah. Like, the Herzog kind of attempt at yeah, it. Yeah, like, notice the fact that you are that you are an outsider. Yeah, yeah. And then try to, like, you know, make a little synthesis there. But, sure, look, you know, maybe he can have another go at it. I was going to watch one of his films today. I was going to watch the one on the, his documentary on the Gulf War today. Um, but it didn't. I can't remember what it's called. Man, movie, Fran- French uh, movie has, like, all of his films. Does it? Uh, yeah, literally all of them. God damn. Yeah, I remember I tried to watch uh, Casper Hauser. That's on movie. Yeah, but it didn't have uh, subtitles. It was just in German. Yeah, I that's couldn't a, even get I subtitles. noticed I yeah, that's I tried to watch uh, I tried to watch a few films today but didn't end up watching a single film. I tried to watch <laughs> um uh what's it called? Good Morning, I think it's called by um Ozu, the Japanese director. He did a uh, Tokyo story, you know that film? He's like this really famous director. But um I wanted to watch that, but uh, it had no English subtitles. Only had French. I was like, "You fucking cunt, <laughs> <laughs> you bastard!" Yeah, but I don't even understand. Like movies for fucking students. So why the fuck would like, like if I'm a if I'm a Fr- if I'm an English speaking person that moves to France, mm. why the fuck would movie not provide fucking English subtitles, or whatever? We should know French. Yeah, but if I'm just there for a year, like you know, doing a <laughs> masters, or whatever. Yeah, it's a joke. Movie, you know, it's a joke. Even though great service, though, but it's we, a joke. We don't pay for our membership. Man. You don't want to speak about that? <laughs> <laughs> that little loophole. Uh, I always got to complain about something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can't be too kind Feedback, for things. Yeah. What about the uh, the subtitles for uh, V? V. I had major subtitle drama with V. Mm. I watched it on uh, this dodgy site, and it's a it's a Soviet film film from 1967. So, you know, it's not. Uh, widely available really mm. you know maybe there's like prints are hard to get and stuff but I watched it on this dodgy site and uh, the subtitles I stuck, stuck in the subtitles as English but like they were so delayed that I didn't I have no idea like I had no idea how to correct them like yeah. they, they had an entire tool on the site dedicated to like oh, sh- shift your subtitles like you know a minute in the past mm. minute forward or whatever I had no idea what the fuck yeah. when any of the dialogue <laughs> was because it was just all over the shop you know maybe it was like jumbled up or whatever so I only saw the actual visual images, mm. but 
that's all you really needed. You don't really to need. Do, to, you know? Yeah, you really don't like. Yeah, I feel like that kind of works better. I feel like this film could be a silent movie, and it's basically the same. Yeah, because they never have a moment in the where they really like uh, have this big like speech or monologue about anything greater than like the literal plot that is going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I was kind of disappointed by. The plot, yeah, it's based on a Gogol story or whatever, isn't it? Yeah, go Joseph Goebbels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's a famous go- Soviet hero. Uh, go Gogol, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Gogol, yeah. There's a few films based on 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 this story. Yeah, there's one from 2016, I think. Also called V, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was gonna watch that one. I was yeah. like, doesn't look very good. <laughs> yeah, that's why I just went with the original one. Yeah, yeah, it's about like a priest who gets assigned. Yeah. Oh no, wait, was, a, a girl dies and a priest is brought in to stay with her body for three nights. But he he, uh, yeah. So he's killed her. This is probably like, maybe. This yeah, is, so yeah. So like school, uh, he's like a he's like a student priest or something. I don't, I, I can't uh, really remember the start. Basically, he's like a student priest or whatever. And school's out, and him and the boys go off on a mad one, and they end up like staying with this this old woman, and the old woman turns out to be a witch. But when he kills, he goes on like a mad flight with the with the witch, yeah, yeah. and then he kills her. And she turns into a girl. Yeah, and then he has to. T- then he's. Then her dad is like, uh, like the lord of the town or whatever. And her dying last words was that she said she wanted that priest to come and say like her last rites. Mm. And he has to spend three days there saying he has to go there every night to say the last the last rites. But she's a witch, and she gets up and she does all this magic. Yeah, yeah. There's like a coffin flying around and stuff. I actually, yeah, maybe that's, but like that's a very basic plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. literally like, that's what happens, you know. And then, yeah, and uh, it's cool. That's like the, some some of the parts are like pretty cool, like special the end, effects and stuff. The end man is really good. Those the special end. effects were like all the ghouls and shit are coming out of the, yeah, out of the yeah. that Those yeah. visuals were really good. I wanted uh, way more of that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a part where he's like he's locked, and uh, he's like in the fucking in the cabin or whatever. And uh, there's a shot where they have, like, one of the guys is standing in the doorway and, like, beckoning him forward. But the the deacon, like, sees three people. Yeah. And it's it's a, it's a great shot. I just thought it was really funny. It's yeah. Like, it's, like, the perfect... Uh, yeah. It's so realistic. <laughs> you see in trees, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, the way it's done is so cool, you know? Yeah, the visual techniques are very good in the film. Mm. But, like, it's kind of all that there is in the film. That's really it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how'd you find out about it? Um... I went on to Shudder, uh, one of the forms of Shudder, I can't remember if it's on New Zealand or American Shudder, but I went on to um, Foundations of Horror, like one of the collections that they have, mm. and I just saw V, and like the the cover of V was the uh, the photo of all the ghouls coming out of the out of the uh. the wall, and it's like, that looks fucking cool, and then I clicked onto it, and I just saw like, Soviet classic, I was like, that's that sounds really cool, mm. so then I watched it, I was like, that was alright. Yeah. <laughs> Soviet, you have to watch more Soviet films. Mm. It's hard. Let's watch fucking Battleship Pandemkin, whatever. Pandemkin. Yeah. And then like October and stuff. We should watch Chinese films as well. Yeah, we should. You know, we, we basically expand ourselves, man. We need to get into this fucking English and American fucking, bullshit. We basically completed the Western canon at this yeah, stage. That's it. So there's no more films to talk about. It, you know, so we need to move on to Chinese and the Russians. Yeah. And the Japanese, I feel like they have some weird shit as well. South Korea is good as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, stuff like that, you know. Maybe mm. like African. What are, what's the African film industry like? You know, I have Nollywood. I have no Nollywood. idea. I have no idea. You know, we we'll have to figure this stuff. You out You never hear about that shit, though. That's the problem. That's the new series we're gonna do. Yeah, Nollywood or whatever. Yeah, you never hear about it because yeah. like manufacturing consent. Yeah, you know, duh. Look it up. 
They don't. They don't want us to hear about it because then they, we wouldn't go see their fucking propaganda and cinemas. Yeah, they're no, they're no man propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> they just want us to live out of a van. That's uh, that's probably a psyop, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Isn't it so romantic living out of a van? You know, you know seasonal work at Amazon. Yeah. Go no. do it. Yeah, yeah. That was not. <laughs> it's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. I did see one cool. Uh, w- well, one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it though was because I looked up the Wikipedia page and I saw like a, a psychoanalytical analysis of it. Mm. And it was the idea that the deacon had a like the allegory of him going on the ride with the witch was like a sexual image, yeah. And then yeah. like he kills her because of it, because like oh no one can know about this, but then he's forced to return to it and like talk and like deal confront with the, the demons, com- confront his demons. Mm. Um, but yeah, like there's like it's only like an hour long as well. There's not really that much to talk about it, but it was cool. It is. It's a weird one that people can look up and watch if they want. It was a good one, yeah. Was this it. originally shot in black and white, or was it actually in color? I feel like it definitely wasn't color. Yeah. I thought it was like it was. I thought it was really nice technical. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like there was like a, it was like a, so vivid. It was a yeah vivid, but there was like a a texture to it nearly or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was it looked really nice anyway. It did look really nice. You know, Damn, that so big boy that came out at the end as well. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was V, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. V was that dude, but like I was expecting way more. I thought V was just like, I didn't the know. witch. I thought I it was know. a Russian word or something. There's a, there's just a lot of Russian shit going on in this film. Yeah, I don't think as well that you need to know about like Russian folklore and stuff like that for it to ah yeah yeah emphasize yeah. anymore. No, yeah, forget about that stuff. Russian he, folklore. He's just a demon. Yeah, he's just an absolute demon. He's just a big boy, <laughs> <laughs> big boy stomping around. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, speaking of folklore, mm. speaking of folklore, I watched the Mothman prophecies. Here we go. There uh, earlier today, you know. Ever watched this film? Nope. Two thousand and two. I've heard about it though. A lot of two thousand and two films this today. Early two thousands. What yeah. a time to be alive. What a time. What a time. <laughs> uh, Mothman prophecies, two thousand two film starring Richard Gere, and uh, directed by a guy called Matt Pellington, I think. I hope that's his name. I, I don't know. But yeah, uh, basically, it's about the Mothman. Mm-hmm. Based on true events from nineteen late 60s um, in Point Pleasant, I believe, Virginia or something like that. Somewhere, it's a real place. Yeah, it's a real place. And you just know weird shit would happen there. Point yeah. Pleasant. I know, yeah. It's, it's like Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah. <basically. laughs> oh, oh, I've also finished. So I know I finished Twin Peaks. All right. Very good. Oh, we talk about that later. Yeah. yeah. Without getting third part of our twenty yep. series, but yeah, Mothman prophecies. Yeah, it's Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Correction there, and it's based on a book by a guy called John Keel, who is one of the uh, you know preeminent UFOologists or U- ufologists, however, ufologists. However you pronounce <laughs> <Yeah>. that, <laughs> ufologists. That's he's, such a cool word. He was one of the main guys. He started that whole thing. Um, he was what's called a fourteen author. Which is someone who believes in like crazy shit, you know, mm. like paranormal activity and stuff like that, supernatural phenomenon. And he wrote a book. It's called uh, "The Mothman uh, Files" or whatever. It's about this town, Point Pleasant, back in the sixties, where there was a series of sightings of a giant seven, eight foot creature with glowing red eyes, and his eyes were in like the, the center of his chest, and he flew around and shit, and like uh, that. he terrorized young couples and. Uh, uh, he was like an omen kind of character. Yeah. So he'd show up just before things could go wrong, like in people's personal lives. But the most famous instance is when, um, like, this is all is this is like a the backdrop. There was like a hysteria that built up around this character. You know, people were seeing him, and like, uh, people were like, like it's like Bigfoot kind of thing where pe- yeah. people see reports about him, and then they they see see the, the creature itself uh, for themselves. 
Uh, but it, it all culminated in a one incident, I think in 69 or 67 or something like that, where the, the bridge in Point Pleasant, the Silver Bridge, uh, collapsed just after someone had seen the Mothman Ooh. standing on top of it. There we go. So he actually, like, the bridge actually did collapse and 46 people died. So it was pretty, like, traumatic. Yeah. And it built up a whole... Obviously, everyone's like, oh, shit, the fucking Mothman did this. Yeah. And, like, this is, like, an actual thing. And, uh, you know, what is he, an alien? Is he, like, is he a moth? Is he a man? Is he Jesus? Is he Jesus? <laughs> is he here to save us? Um, he was never seen again. That's it? Until recently. <gasps> He's back in New Jersey, apparently. He oh, moved cool. to New Jersey. But apparently there's new sightings in past few years of the Mothman. <laughs> but basically... <laughs> He's seen the day before the 2016 election. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, basically the film is about Richard Gere going around and... Uh, He's basically haunted by the Mothman. And it's him dealing with psychological kind of uh, problems and paranoia. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the film isn't a literal kind of interpretation of John Keel's book. Yeah. Like, John Keel's book like tells the story of the Mothman as if the Mothman is a Bigfoot kind of creature that yeah. actually exists, like a cryptid. But the film, with The Mothman Prophecies, is about more about John Gear's John Gear, Richard Gere's, uh, like psychological state his yeah. paranoia and like the mass hysteria surrounding the mothman because it starts out with him uh him and his wife in the car and they're all you know happy and loving and stuff obviously there's a massive car crash things go, go wrong and she dies um so he's all fucked up yeah and uh, he works with like the washington post and he goes for a drive one night and he like gets out of the way and um uh, his car breaks down and he goes to go uh get help or whatever and he knocks on the door of like this random couple and uh, they drag him inside and they're like they call the cops and he's like I saw you outside my window last night and the night before and the cop shows up and um, they have fucking Richard Gere in the in the shower like cowering and this is the only time in the entire movie that Richard Gere changes his his expression mm. at any point he's like this is the, maybe the worst performance I've ever seen by any actor <laughs> it's so bad his, his expression never changes even though he sees he, he sees the Mothman and stuff like that uh, he's like, oh. <laughs> and yeah, and he's there on the bridge when it collapses, and he just, he's just, his expression never changes. What does the Mothman look like in the film? Well, it's just red eyes, basically. Oh, okay. And it's like a, it's like a, a, a flash. Oh, right. And because uh, the whole reason he got into the whole Mothman thing, like the, the hysteria starts, is because on her deathbed, his wife, his wife drew some sketches, and the sketches were of the Mothman. Oh, it was like this, like charcoal kind of thing, like this sort of slash with a, with two red dots, and. Uh, Anyway, it turns out the hillbilly couple that are holding him gunpoint are, are also like kind of under the influence of this mass hysteria. Yeah. And it turns out the whole town is kind of falling into this as well. And uh, the sheriff is obviously skept- skeptical, but she's she understands that something weird is going on. And they're all uh, they're all they're all sort of grappling with this idea that is like completely unthinkable. But at the same time, there's no other explanation. Yeah. Like things are just a series of coincidences and strange occurrences that just make no sense and yeah. they all kind of, kind of start adding up and there's a, there's a cool kind of famous scene where uh, Richard Gere takes a, a phone call in his hotel his hotel room and uh, it's a guy on the other end of the line and uh, he identifies himself as injured cold and uh, this is actually based on a, a true thing a, a real report from, from the book I feel like I've heard that before yeah yeah he's like kind of, kind of like a meme but injured cold and he starts uh, he's talking to him on the phone in the hotel and he starts describing the room around him. And uh, Richard Gere's like, oh, he's like, oh, he's powerful as fuck. And he's like, yeah. He sticks his hand in the, 
in like the the locker beside his bed, and he's like, "What am I holding in my hand?" And Andrew Cole is like, "Chapstick," which is the most the lamest thing. Yeah, they, they could they could have come up with you know anything except yeah. chapstick. You know, <laughs> like what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, "Are you reading my mind?" But he's not. You know, that's the thing. Like he's inside everyone's heads. Yeah, um, to an extent. But like maybe what's inside people's heads like reproduces that in like a, f- a physical kind of manifestation in the form of the Mothman. Mm-hmm. And Indra Cold is basically like the Men in Black. Yeah, you know, like he's a he's Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, he yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's an actual character that people used to report. Like this guy John Keel, he basically invented the whole concept of the Men in Black. Like you know, mysterious yeah, figures yeah. showing up and uh, at your door and asking strange questions and then disappearing. Like Indra Cold was Indra Cold was the original Man in Black. Yeah. He used to go around, apparently, uh, to these people's gaffes and uh, acting suspicious, wearing sunglasses and stuff. Apparently, in one incident, he uh, people started like sort of copping on to what, like, like why are you acting so weird? And he he was so he was in such a hurry to leave that he ripped the door off its hinges and like just disappeared down the street and stuff like How that. How much this, truth do you think there is behind? I all think this it's shit? all. I think to the. I think it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think I think most of it is absolute bollocks. But I think uh, there's definitely something weird. I think this is the kind of thing where, uh, like, obviously you're talking about 60s United States. Like, what's going on here? Oh, like, I wonder what's going on. Yeah, let's be realistic. Like <laughs> The Red Scare. It's a time of paranoia. Yeah, yeah. So, you're, like, you're thinking, like, these random people in the small town, Point Pleasant, like, maybe fucking, you know, actual, like, men in black, you know, they do exist to the extent mm. that you have, like, you know, agents and stuff CIA yeah, bro wandering FBI and stuff wandering the place and you have like military experiments happening in, in public uh, you know military technology that no one knows about like maybe people saw like something weird happening maybe there was a project happening in the town at the time and people saw things or heard things or like were asked interacted with people that uh, didn't make sense yeah. things that didn't add up and like this sort of took on a head of it, it's head of its own, you know. It's, it's so bit of yeah, it's so fucking possible as well. Definitely possible. Yeah, you know, maybe he didn't rip the door off his hinges. That'd be pretty, you know. Might be an, an exaggeration. Might yeah, have, might have pulled the handle off, but then it's just like, oh shit, you ripped the door off the hinges or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The guy who made the report to John Keel in the book described it as if injured called this character didn't uh, didn't understand how doors worked you know, implication that he was an alien or something like that. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so, like, you tried to fucking push a pull door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you must have been an alien. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that was a real hick laugh I just <laughs> had there. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's the thing. Like, this guy, John Keel, he's a big UFO. And UFOs were huge back then. Yeah. But you have to take into consideration how much the US government were also... Like happy that people they're encouraging UFO. Yeah, they were. They wanted this shit. Yeah, they they wanted people to be sort of you know freaked out about it, and uh, a lot of it was psychological warfare on their own population. You know, testing shit out. Yeah, testing shit out. Like, how's this going to fly with the people? You know, maybe it's better if they're kind of you know scared about these these weird objects running mm. around, sort of mystique about it. Stay in your home. Yeah. Or we can control you. The <gasps> oh shit! It's a pandemic. It's the pandemic. But, you know, and, you know, to an extent, manipulating folklore. Because, obviously, like, you have these two elements, Indrid Cold, FBI, Man in Black, Authority. Aliens, and then you have Mothman. Yeah. What, like, what do these have to do with each other? Like, there's something there about, like, you can just imagine they're sitting, they're doing a fucking focus group in, you know, Langley, CIA headquarters or whatever, and they're like, Here, uh, like, what would we do? What would be a cool little experiment to do in a small town? 
oh let's put uh, aliens and uh, you know fucking Bigfoot together yeah and they came up with like Mothman and uh, the Men in Black uh, that's what I think because they really were they just trying out shit all the time there yeah they're very creative they came up with mad stuff you know like we just talked about fucking altered states last week like they did that shit like dolphins you know and on the fucking uh, men who stare goats which you talked about before yeah I did all this fucking mad shit for real it's not even that, that far of a fucking stretch to say that they that they tried something like that definitely and like that's just the stuff that's been declassified yeah you know? like I, I doubt the silver bridge collapse was anything to do with the I said that just that's a nine eleven job, man. Yeah, inside job. But uh, it says in the film that the Silver Bridge collapses was never explained. But it, it was just like a very poorly built bridge and yeah. just collapsed. But um, but yeah, like the film that that's the the, the call with injured cold is like at the halfway point, and uh, the rest of the film is just such a slog. Yeah, such like a slog. it's a two hour long film. Like yeah, it's just like like I lo- I like the film. Like I've always kind of liked the film, but I've always known it's pretty shite like yeah it's a like, shit film yeah. it's, yes it's not it's very boring. good it's not very good like Richard Gere is like, like I don't know a lot about acting I don't really mind when a, a performance is that bad but like, this is one of those performances which like I take like exception to yeah there's no just, emotion he just doesn't change he just has the, he like it's almost like a, a meta kind of thing mm. where it's like Richard Gere is like an alien pretending to be human like he is injured cold yeah. in, in this town because he's like he's walking around it'd be cool if they actually expression. did that yeah, yeah, and he doesn't even know he's yeah. he's the he's the bad guy or whatever, or he's the Mothman. But uh, it's just it's so bizarre. Yeah, and then you have uh, uh, she was in Truman Show. She's Truman's wife. She's the sheriff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in loads I can't of stuff. Remember her yeah. name? Um, I can't. I don't know why is that. I can't remember her name. Obviously, we would not know any actor's <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, it's powerful, of course. But yeah, she's she's also like annoying in this film as well. Every character is annoying, and. Uh, the directions like, like weird. Is it kind of like um? Because when I look, I just did a quick Wikipedia look at it. Um, is it in any way like X Files? Yeah, so it's like a bad X Files episode. Yeah, because I just saw I literally like went on the Wikipedia page and one of the blue like highlight things was X Files. So yeah, just, like, I just went. Like, oh, that's my mark watch today. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember I watched this back in back in like when I first got Netflix. It used to be on Netflix, and. Uh, I remember being so so pumped to watch it. Mm. I was just like, so disappointed. That's so grim. But there was always something about it that I was like, I just like the fact that they deal with the Mothman. I think the Mothman, Mothman is my favorite cryptid by far. You know, my favorite like kind of folklorish kind of yeah. thing in the states at least. Anyway, I had, just, a, I had like Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, all that bollocks. I prefer. I'm a big Mothman fan. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, like, like Bigfoot is just a big like fucking monkey walking around, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just King Kong flowing about. Yeah, and he doesn't really have like. Any solid, interesting stories like Mothman has like a backstory. And, and Mothman stuff. causes shit to happen. Bigfoot just be living, but Mothman is causing shit to happen. Yeah, yeah. Bigfoot's just vibing. Like yeah. you can leave him alone. Mothman doesn't leave you alone. He comes in and invades your space. Yeah, and buzzes around and fucking collapses bridges and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's kind of like there was a point where uh, like I read the Wikipedia as well. And I was yeah, like, X Files. That makes sense. But there's there's points. There's entire sequences in the film where it just becomes really obvious that. Richard Gere is uh, Mulder and your one is Scully. Yeah. And that's the that's the dynamic. And Richard Gere even looks like David Duchovny. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like look at the cast or anything. I just saw photos like, oh, that's where my was. Yeah, he looks like an age-progressed <laughs> David Duchovny. And he, he he acts like a robot as well. So yeah. they're basically the same. Yeah, and even the like the colour palette is all horrible. It's like dour and stuff. It's like grey and shit. So um, 2000s, man. It's the same with Texas Chainsaw and all that shit. 
like just bad color grading. Yeah, and the script is shy. The script is terrible. There's like, there's just no like uh, big moments. It just seems to like sort of trundle along for ages. You just need a good script. That's all that you need. That's all you need. Yeah. You know? Although it's a lot harder sitting done, but still. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I don't know who wrote the script, but he didn't do a very good job. But yeah, like I like I like it. You know, I li- I appreciate its ideas. Mm. I appreciate what it. You know the fact the, the that, shit that it's talking about. the fact that it tried to adapt it. Yeah. You know, like if if anyone ever makes a good Mothman movie, I pretty sorry, I pretty hate this film. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> until <laughs> until that day, I will appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. There's some schlock to stick on. Yeah, yeah. The fucking CIA stuff, like testing and shit like that, is mad. Like I know we've had it to death, but like it's yeah. a fact. Have you ever heard about the the stuff that they did in Nam with like uh, looking at like uh, Vietnamese like folklore and their beliefs? No. So what they used to do is they would. Uh, POWs that they had, they would um like recorded the the PO the Vietnamese POWs, and then would uh play the sounds back into the forest just to freak out the fucking the Viet Cong that were in the in the bushes and shit uh, like that yeah. because in the folklore it was like the dead soldiers like telling them to like run away go away or whatever and like that's what they did to them like caused psychological warfare like that on them yeah yeah that's fucked that's bad out. That is bad. I can't remember. Like, something like it's something to do with Vietnamese folklore or something like that. That like that's a thing. Like fallen warriors still like thread the ground in the jungles, whatever the fuck they were doing. Like something like that. But like the Americans would do that to the Viet Cong as a as a war as a battle tactic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you were napalming the shit out of them and you were fucking them up psychologically. <laughs> Jesus Christ, boys! And they still lost. <laughs> and they still <laughs> lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that's like they're the kings of, of psychological warfare. They sigh up the fucking Soviet Union into non existence, you know. Yeah, the like, Star right, Wars project. Yeah, all that bollocks. All made up. They made up. They just psyched them out. Yeah. Like they're, they're We the, have a fucking laser in the sky yeah. that can shoot down nukes. <laughs> yeah, you see that big white thing in the sky? That's actually a, a nuke waiting to yeah. drop on your head. That's the moon, bro. No, they're they're the best though. And like it's the propaganda you, of it, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, it's that control of the media that they have. Yeah, and using folklore. Like, obviously, back in the day, you wouldn't have TVs and shit. Yeah, like, you couldn't... Like, like, nowadays in Vietnam, like, there's probably a lot of penetration from uh, from Western media. Yeah. Like, if they if they went into Vietnam today, it's probably a lot easier to sort of get people on side than it would be back then. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, 100%. Back then, you had you just had farmers and shit like that. And, like, uh, you know, workers. Yeah. Yeah, and they only, they only would have spoken Vietnamese. Yeah. So... You know, they got to them via folklore, via mm. their own indigenous beliefs, you know. Maybe that's going to go away these days, or like, for the future of warfare. Nah, man, there's folklore on the internet. Slenderman and all that shit. Creepypastas. The, the wars of the future will be fought via creepypastas. People yeah. fucking believe that they saw Slenderman and shit like that in real life. Have you heard about the fucking Slenderman stabbing? Yeah, yeah. Like, people that. genuinely, like, those girls literally try to kill a girl to summon Slenderman. Summon Slenderman. I've, there definitely will be cults come like popping up out of the internet. That's going to be a thing. Man, yeah, definitely. Like, fucking, we we did fucking Pepe the Frog a while ago. Like that was yeah. basically a fucking cult. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be so interesting, though. That is an interesting. Like I love that. Like creepy pastas is just basically internet folktale. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are really good as well. <laughs> yeah, some, some of them are really well written. Some of them are just stupid. some of them are dog shit. But uh, yeah, a lot of them are actually, or I, some of them are really good. Slenderman, yeah. I think, is the best one. I think that's why he's the most believable. Because it's a perfect blend of like, like, vi- like Photoshop to like just crop them into an image, and it is. Because mm. I remember like seeing that shit for the first time, and I was freaked the fuck out. I was like, "What yeah. the fuck is this?" 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that as well, yeah. Because there's... There was a huge visual element to it. And you were just new to the internet and you didn't know that people could do that type of shit with, the, with photos and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause Especially when you're like a kid. Like yeah. Teenager, Cause a teenager. Because a lot of, like it wasn't even high res images. Like they were, they were able to like. They were black and white old photos. Yeah. yeah stuff like that. Now yeah, there's definitely going to be weird stuff happening on, on the web. Yeah. You know? The web's a cool place though. It's a lot of awful shit but it's a cool place. <laughs> ah yeah. It'll be our salvation yet. You know. Mothman. Yeah. Mothman on the web. Who do you think wins in a fight, Mothman or Slenderman? Ah, uh, Mothman every day, every day of the week. You know, he's a, he's like a fucking trans-dimensional character. Have you not seen the Slenderman movie? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, well, Slenderman is also a trans-dimensional uh, figure. Trans character. He's <laughs> <laughs> a, a white, do- white guy in a suit. <laughs> it's an androgyny. <laughs> I was telling you, I watched that movie. Yeah, last week. Oh, it's fucking awful. Yeah. It's not even funny bad, though. It's just bad, bad. It's yeah. just boring. But it tries something cool. When when did that come out? Way too late. Like, yeah. way too late. I think it's like 2018. 2018. That, like, Slenderman was six, done That's literally years six ago. years too late. Slenderman was done 10 years ago, like, you know. Yeah, like, he, he was he was big when we were starting secondary school, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you are a bit too late to the party. Yeah, you're like. fucking... That, <laughs> yeah, ten, that's literally 10 years ago. Yeah. Fucking hell. But, like, they try... They, they do try and do something cool. And it is, like... It is, like, the fucking, um... Psychosis thing that you're talking about. Because, like, the characters in Slenderman, they also, like... They get obsessed with the idea of Slenderman. And, like, mm. that's kind of, like... They try and do something like that. But, like... The problem is, is that, like, they take Slenderman so unbelievably serious in the film. Like, mm. way too... Like, like Slenderman is an actual folktale in the film, but, like, on the internet, like, it, it doesn't treat it as, like, as the meme that it is, which is kind of the problem. Yeah, yeah. He also looks like complete fucking shit. Yeah, do they show him a lot? Oh, my God, do they? Uh, a lot. That's like, great. there's, like, a close-up of his, of his white face, yeah. of his weird white blank face. And it's bad CGI. See, that's the problem, because, like, with those kinds of films, like, you have all these folkloric films from before, and you have, like, a template to work off. There's nothing been, nothing has been done that has been viable off, like, the internet. Same reason you can't make a decent video game uh, film. Yeah. Because there's been nothing done. There's, there's no precedent. You can't make... Because there's nothing to, to, to go off, you know? Same with, with creepypastas. At the moment, I think... I think eventually they'll, they'll get around to but it. But I feel like you could do something interesting with a creepy pasta. The only one is the only problem is that like Slenderman is so unbelievably recognizable that he's not scary. Yeah, that's just, I mean like a meme or like I yeah. suppose. Yeah, creepy pastas could definitely be be adapted, you know. There's loads. I can't remember them now, but like I remember a few used to the Russian sleep experiment. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's all those fucking CSP ones. I don't know. That I, I, I never got that. I, I never understood them either. I didn't think that was that scary. There's just a game where like every time you bl- you had to blink and the thing will come closer to you. But that's just a fucking Doctor Who episode. Remember mm. that one with the moving angels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good episode of Doctor Who. Mm. Um, but yeah, like that, all that shit. Like but the other problem as well is that like those they're like good ideas, but they're inherently creepy, and it doesn't have to be the creepy pasta like that. Like um. Remember the film uh, Lights Out? Like yeah. Like the short yeah. film. Like that's basically the same idea. Like if you blink, like it moves closer to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty universal. I actually yeah. think that film, I genuinely think I will never watch that film purely because I tried to knock it on one time and it freaked me out way too much. The idea of something like, it just freaked me <laughs> the fuck out. I was like, I can't watch this. It's actually. When was that? 
like a couple of years ago, but I could probably watch it now. But like it just, oh, yeah. it like inherently freaked me out. Something just standing there in the darkness, and then every time like the lights go on and off, it comes closer. Fuck yeah. that! Fuck that! That that would just fuck me up. Uh, that would be a thing. Like if I saw that as a kid, like I, I like that, I wouldn't sleep for weeks. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the other thing is like you have to sleep in the dark yeah, afterwards, yeah. and the thing purposely gets you in the dark. Yeah, like I'd be I'd be in bed and like every few minutes I just. I'll just get up and turn on the light. <laughs> to make sure there wasn't there wasn't getting any closer. Yeah. But I suppose if you don't turn on the light, it never gets any closer. Yeah, just stay in permanent light. Stay in permanent dark. No, I'm pretty sure like but I'm pretty sure in the film like someone tries to do that and it just rugby tackles the moment oh. stage. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Speak me out scary movies, Mark. Drag me to hell. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. King. King Maybe of horror. King of horror, king of superhero films. Yeah. He's back. He's literally the best, like, one of the best horror directors and also one of the best, like, superhero movie directors. He's just a bit of a king altogether. Yeah. You he know? just knows what he's doing behind the camera. Yeah. He just knows his stuff. It's only, yeah, it's, it's like behind the camera, but it's also just, like, thematically. Yeah. You know? He makes interesting films. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen Evil, Evil Dead? Uh, No. Man, I actually feel like you would really love Evil Dead. Yeah, one yeah. and two, one and two are basically the same film, but they're slightly different. Two is way more campy. One is a really fun film. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, I've only heard positive things. Yeah, I've seen clips and stuff. You know, isn't like Cabin in the Woods, uh, very very similar kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much based on it. Yeah, um, I yeah, because it is. It's like the. I feel like it's one of the, the original cam- like Cabin in the Wood movies. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I watched Army of Darkness last week. Army of Darkness is a very different thing, but it's also like a lot of fucking fun. But then 2009, after you know Spider Man one, two, and three, uh, I don't think he had a film in between uh, Spider Man three and Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell came out in 2009. It's now on Netflix. Mm. And it's a film I've always wanted to watch. Um, I remember seeing the trailer and stuff like that when I was a kid, and it scared the fucking shit out of me. Yeah, I remember when it came out as well. Around the time Avatar was coming out. It got really mixed reviews. Like, I actually, kind of negative reviews at the time, but I think that's because, like, this is a, this is Sam Raimi, because people would have known Sam Raimi as, like, Spider-Man director. as like, oh, a new horror film by him, but not knowing what Evil Dead is, because this is, like, this mm. is... Kind of like Evil Dead in some parts. This is his uh, his home territory. Yeah, mm. he's kind of going back to his roots, kind of, but back like to base. with way more of a budget than he ever had on Evil Dead One, Two, and Three. Yeah, thirty mil. Yeah, not bad. Like I'm pretty Evil Dead One, like that budget was tiny. It was a tiny budget, and it's like it's amazing what he did with that tiny budget. Um, so the premise is we follow our main character. Do not remember her name, but that's standard. <laughs> um. Christine. Uh, Christine, thank you. Mm. <laughs> uh, Christine and Shane Long is actually in this as well. Justin uh, Long. Justin Long. Shane, Shane Long. Long. <laughs> <laughs> the Irish he, was, he was just breaking out this and then he was, like, he was also breaking into Hollywood, apparently. He's got that head for this This is his peak and so is the, the goal against Italy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Justin Long is in this as, his, uh, as, as her uh, boyfriend. And I, the, the, other, the only other actor I remembered or recognized in the film was um remember inception do you remember that film inception <laughs> yeah. um do you remember yeah, do you remember the guy the indian guy that was like made synthesized the like drug to, to keep them underneath yeah yeah he's in this as well oh, okay who and he also plays an indian guy and he's like mystical kind of so <laughs> mm, but um so it's about her and she's a, a bank uh she's like a loan manager and uh 
she's like in the office or whatever and it does a really good job at setting her up as a character because we see her like at her desk or whatever and she like looks up and we see the empty space for assistant uh, manager and uh there's this guy Stu and Stu's little fucking sleaze bag Stu's like nugging up against the fucking manager and like giving him tickets to the Lakers and stuff like that and he's just a dickhead and he's like undermines her and stuff like that so you feel sorry for her and then she goes off and she she's uh just along and then you see like their relationship it's really nice but then he gets a phone call from her from his mom and his mom's really condescending about her but she's never met her but she's really condescending about Christine so you see, so you feel for Christine and then uh, an old woman comes into the bank and the old woman uh, asks for an extension on her loan but previously beforehand the manager said no you need to make the tough calls that's like if you want to get the assistant manager job you need to get the, you need to make the tough calls so she refuses her the loan and the old woman puts a curse on her and she's basically the curse is that in three days time you're going to be dragged down to hell by um the demon lamia who's this goat demon thing and uh she's just basically trying to figure out what she can do to like not get dragged down to hell um and it's good it's very very good it's scary it genuine, like it freaked me out. Yeah, that's what you want. That's what you want. Not enough films are, are properly scary anymore. Mm. You know, like the last film that would have properly scared me was The Conjuring, and that was just like yeah, that was when I saw it in the cinemas. So it was yeah, like same. Perfect kind of a that and Hereditary, but I saw both. Of them. Yeah, Hereditary actually. But as well. the, this is the cinema experience, you know. Yeah, I was yeah. just sitting at my computer and it was scary. Like yeah, yeah. Um, it uh, has like just like the way it's like. Sam Raimi just knows how to make a scene scary when he wants to. Like spoilers for this film, because uh, like spoilers for some of the scares. There's a there's one there's one scare where like the old woman has like this handkerchief, right? And like the sound design in this film is disgusting. It's all these sounds like the old mm. woman like rubbing her nose in the fucking in the cloth and like taking out her teeth and it's all these squelching sounds. It sounds fucking awful. But you see that napkin later on, and it like hits the windscreen, and that's like the jump scare. And you're like, you know, the way after jump scare, you have like that moment of like relaxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the fucking the napkin starts like going across the windscreen and like going around the car, and it follows it. And then you realize, oh shit, it's not. We're not. Oh, we're not done with the scares yet. Mm. And uh, it goes behind her, and then she looks behind, and the old woman's just sitting there in the car in complete darkness, and like it holds for a second, and I literally went. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, "Oh yeah. no!" Yeah, that's uh, what you want. And she, it doesn't jump scare. She just leans forward into light, and you're like, "Oh fuck this!" Yeah. Um, but it's just good. It's it's just Sam Raimi doing his thing, and like, it's a ballsy film. It goes some places because like you're kind of conflicted over the fact of whether or not like Christine deserves like this punishment for what she did because she basically like the old woman ends up dying because she doesn't have a house now she's homeless but you also understand why christine did what she did and she does like some very questionable things to like try and get out of going to hell like there's a moment where like she's faced with the opportunity that like basically she has a button that's cursed and at one stage the guy's just like okay like everything has failed here's the button lamia will come for the person that is the owner of this button so if you give it to someone else, they will take your uh, your curse. Your curse, yeah. You yeah. can pass on the curse. And she's sitting in a cafe and she's just looking around and she's just deciding who will she condemn to hell. Yeah, yeah. Bad out. Bad, Bad out. We've all been there, though. It's just like live with your consequences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really good and like it has like this really intensely awkward uh, dinner table scene where like she meets. Uh, 
yeah, just I was gonna say Shane Long, Justin Long is a family and all, and like you meet the mom, and then you're just like it starts, everything starts to look good, but then they're all eating cake, and Christine looks down at the cake, and an eye just pops like blinks in the in the cake, mm. and then like shit starts to go bad, and you're like, oh fuck, this is this is so awkward again, because she's like <laughs> freaking <awkward>. out, <laughs> um. But it's good, and it goes some places at the end that like you don't really expect. But at the start, because like, because like you kind of think that like she, you kind of think like the film like she's not gonna go this far. But at the start of the film, like a little kid gets dragged to hell, like, like a little boy. Like, like what context? Like? like so, it's like it just says like nineteen sixties whatever, and this like family come up to this like to this um medium or whatever and like can you please help our boy and she's like oh we're trying to lift the curse or whatever but they they don't succeed mm. and the little boy literally gets dragged to hell and this is little boy's hand is going like, help me and he's just getting fucked up that's grim it's grim that's not great like and that's the start of the film she's like oh shit so like this yeah. this film isn't afraid to go places yeah set the tone and it's a it's a it's kind of, like at some point i was like is this film a bit too mean <laughs> Uh, you have to be mean, you know. Yeah, in a horror film. In a horror, film, yeah. You have to be mean. You have to be ruthless. It that's is a pretty ruthless film. But it's also funny. Yeah, that's what's, is it is it like proper funny like, like the dinner table. I imagine the dinner table scene has, has a lot of comedy potential and stuff like that. It kind of it's like awkward humor. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But there's like a there's a talking goat on stage and everything. Mm. It's great. <laughs> yeah, sounds. But she also gets like sounds good. Like because in Evil Dead, like he, like Sam Raimi's really good at like kind of like fight scenes mm. and like uh, Christine gets like lifted up and like fucking tossed around the place and like it's scary but it's also kind of funny <laughs> yeah. in a really weird way because it's kind of goofy uh-huh. the only problem that I have with the film is uh, two things one is that there's a scene where uh, Christine is like she's after getting like punched by the demon basically and she's a black eye and uh the uh, there's a doctor that shows up and he's just like ah oh, it's just trauma and she's like are you just like freaking out because of like the traumatic event that happened earlier and it's like oh okay Grant and she just like kind of gets over it and you're like you've seen like you li- like at that stage there was literally like there was literally like you saw a goat <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. punch you in the face so like mm-hmm. you know and she just gets over it. she kind of gets over it, but then shit keeps happening she's like oh no it's not that and also yeah. the CGI like the CGI has not aged well. And I don't think no. it would look good at the time either. What's the CGI? Like, it was just the goat and... There's, like... Demons and Vomit stuff. and shit. And like, uh, there's a bit where, like, eyes pop... There's a bit where, like, the old woman is, like, attacking her in a shed as a ghost. And she, like, drops an anvil... <laughs> she drops an anvil on her head. And, like, it hits her head and her eyes pop out. And, like, blood splatters or, like, puke splatters into yeah. Christine's face. But, like, it just looks like really shitty CGI hitting her in the face. Mm. So, which is kind of disappointing because, like, Sam Raimi's really good with practical effects, which you get in Evil Dead 1 and 2. Like, he's really good at that shit. So, it's like, ah, kind of yeah. wish that you did the practical effects there. Spider-Man as well. Spider-Man as well, you know. Yeah, flying around. That was, that was all real. <laughs> the buildings. Doc Ock, they actually made that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually pretty serious. Yeah. <laughs> he was but out of control. <laughs> Doc Ock is a scary character as well, though. He's really good. Yeah. That's, that's why he's so effective because he's, mm. like, he's scary. Yeah. He's menacing, you know. And he's a, he's a threat. Like, his arms... The arms did not age well, really. The CGI, because mm. it just it just it looks like something separate to yeah. to your man's body. That's the thing. Like when the CGI puke hits her face, mm. like it looks like a, a like a layer, a, like a layer on top yeah. of her face, and it mm. like glides down her face really smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But your look, you know, they gave it a go. Like yeah. I, I never noticed how bad the CGI was in Spider-Man Two and stuff like that. Yeah, you know. 
You know, times just change. Duck Ock is scary. He knows how to make a scary character. Mm. Those arms. The arms are great. Yeah, yeah. They're, they have like a life of their own mm. and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what you do it. That's the way Doc you Ock. do it. Uh-huh. With all them. Make him possessed by something. But the 2000s was a strange time. Very strange time. It's a very 2000s themed podcast. Yeah. Except for the brief Soviet detour. Yeah. <laughs> A <laughs> <laughs> brief story of a DJ but that happens in every episode. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 2000s. Uh, yeah, I believe you watched The Ringer. I did. This week. So did I. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Johnny Knoxville, everybody. Uh, 2002. This um, is like one of the most quoted movies from secondary school, I feel like. Is it? Oh, man. Or like primary school. I remember so many people being like, when the fuck do we get ice cream and shit like that? Uh, That's the best line in the movie. That's, that is that is really funny. To be fair, like there, like a lot of the film is pretty funny. Yeah. Like, but it's kind of questionable at the same time. Yeah. Like, oh. It's like it's like the Bora kind of quandary, mm. you know? Like the, <laughs> the quagmire of Bora. <laughs> you know? Like there's just... It is a funny film. Yeah, as moments far, of it are funny. As far as comedy films in the 2000s go, it is pretty funny. Like I've always... I've always thought it was funny, but I've also always thought, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to watch that, you know, again, yeah. or, or stuff like that, you know, it makes you feel a bit uncomfortable, because there's a whole element of him uh, <laughs> scamming the Special Olympics, you yeah. know, and pretending to be disabled, yeah. it's just like, uh, <laughs> but like, like uh, what I like yes. though as well is that the film's aware that this is like a piece of shit thing to do, yeah, yeah, and like Johnny yeah, Knoxville yeah. suffers because of it, uh-huh. but like, you know, it's... It's still kind of making fun of like yeah, people they, with disabilities. They could have done it a lot better. They could have yeah. handled it in a different way. You know, maybe hindsight is you know twenty twenty or whatever. But they maybe could have had you know Johnny Knoxville not be the main character. Have one of the one of the actually disabled people be like yeah, like try it in that kind of way. Or maybe some you know the, like the Brian Cox character puts up like someone he knows who has like a disability up to scamming the Special Olympics. Mm. So, I don't know how that would work, but like. It's just the fact that, like, for the pretty much the, the whole film, Johnny Knoxville is pretending to to have like a autism, yeah, or something like, like that. He says he's like, he uh, says his his like uh, disability yeah, at one stage, develop, developmental delayed, something like that. But yeah, it's him just like putting on like a, an impression of that, which is you know, cla- but, classic Knoxville. But like the poke fun is there's a good bit where like to get into the role, he watches Rain Man, yeah. Forrest Gump, <laughs> and something else. Yeah, and then he watches the best of Chevy Chase. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> the best of Chevy Chase. Yeah, that's what it was. There's loads of little funny parts in it. Like, it's, yeah, it's and like Brian Cox. Like, how did they get Brian Cox to do this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no idea. It's like he's actually really good in it as well. Like, he's like he plays a scumbag. Yeah, he plays an absolute scumbag who's like uh, severely in debt. So he has to like he puts Johnny Knoxville's character up to uh, basically rigging the Special Olympics. And uh, he's like coaching him through the entire. He's coaching him on how to like uh, you know talk and like behave and stuff like that. And uh, it's just it, like it is. It is funny. It's just like extremely bad out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad out. Oh, <laughs> uh, because it. But like, it's like how the fuck did this film get made? Not mm. only that, this film was like approved by the Special Olympics. Was it? Yeah, this film got the Special Olympics like wasn't approval. This, wasn't Special Olympics in Ireland this year? In two thousand two. No idea. I think it was. I think that was the year we hosted it. You know? So, this goes all the way to the <laughs> <Yeah>. top. <laughs> Michael Martin. Michael Martin, he probably approved. He He's probably like, rubber stamped this. This is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, for one, love Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. Like. Yeah, like, there's just... like, What's the girl's name in this? Christ- what's Christine. Christine, yeah. No, Catherine uh, Hagel. Catherine Hagel, yeah. She her, fell off. Oh, man, she fell off hard. But, like, 
Her character is... Oh, this is 2002. Is it 2005? Oh, sorry. 2005, right? Jeez, I'm not leaving at all. Yeah, it's way too late for this, for yeah. this to be going on, but it's just Bush Air America, isn't it? <laughs> That's it, yeah. It was the Farrelly brothers, the guys who did uh, Dumb and Dumber. But also did movie uh, forty three, yeah, and um, yeah, they went down. Did they do Dumb and Dumber two? Yeah, yeah. They also did. There's something about Mary, but that, that's good. Like something about Mary, Dumb and Dumber two, really good films that I really like. But like they're also a bit dodgy in some ways. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the Farley brothers, like as it, their career progresses from, I don't know what their first one was, but from Dumb and Dumber up to maybe like Dumb and Dumber two, like, you can like sum up their entire career. Like you it's can literally see, bookended. You can see the descent. Yeah, like how bad they they get. Like they they seriously decline in like the late two thousands to the point where they're making movie forty three. But, uh, which is which is literally a scam. Which is literally probably the worst film ever made. You know, it's barely even a film. But yeah, this is like this is peak Farley Brothers, and it has it has those those little nuggets of like really good, good jokes. Mm. You know, but uh, you know a lot of the setup is just just out there, like perfect, purposely outrageous to an extent that's almost uh, it almost eclipses the comedy of it. You know. See, this is kind of the reverse of uh, of Drag Me to Hell, where you're just like, does she deserve this? He tries. The only reason why he's doing all this shit is because Stabby, he like, yeah, because he, 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 he wants to get a promotion in the again. He wants mm. to get a promotion in the fucking company, and they're like, oh, I'll fire Sta- Stabby, mm. and he's like, oh, why Stabby? And he's like, just fire him because he's because he used my toilet. Is what the fucking manager says. So he. F- he tells Stabby that he's lost his job, but then gives him a job that he can afford to pay him for. Yeah, which is like it's pretty expensive as well. It's like four hundred quid a week. Yeah, cutting as long. How could he afford that? I don't think you ever would have. Yeah. And then Stabby loses his fingers, and you're like, oh, he's trying to help this poor immigrant with like a poor immigrant widow who's lost his fingers. <laughs> he's five kids. And he's got five kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's no health insurance. And he's no health insurance. <laughs> so it's like you're you're inherently trying to do a good thing by helping this person, mm. but in doing so. I guess the road to the road to hell is paved with good intentions or yeah, whatever. He gets dragged <laughs> to hell and this. Yeah, he gets dragged you know. to hell. But he's always uh, he's always reluctant. Like he he hates the idea. Yeah. you know, and he's always like very like he's he's cringing the entire way through. Mm. You know, as are we. As are we. <laughs> as are we. Like he's pushed to it. Like that's the whole thing. Like they they needed him to be sympathetic in some way. So they had to have these outrageous things happen that would make you be like, ah. Oh, Poor guy. And then they have Brian Cox's character who's just a complete piece of shit. Yeah. Just to come in and be like, like, I, I need this money and so do you. Um like let's let's do this. And he's just like he's like Brian Cox's character is completely irredeemable. Yeah. And like he's unlikable, but in like a massive scumbag kind of way. Yeah. That's it's it's hilarious. Like it's the idea is so outrageous that it's just like it's it's just it it like turns back in on itself and becomes kind of funny, you know. Yeah, because I feel like have you ever seen the South Park episode where Cartman does this? No. Like they do an episode where Cartman does this, and Cartman does it like way more like offensively than like Johnny Knoxville does. Yeah. But, like it's kind of taking the piss. <laughs> I feel like it's taking the piss out of the ringer. Yeah. But yeah. like again, like in the ringer, like he like he struggles to get into the Special Olympics because obviously you would you're going up against like athletes. athletes yeah. like, you're going up against people that like like our proper athletes but like brian cox is like oh you'll be able to do it like he i'm pretty sure brian cox literally says one stage like one of us should not lose to one of them or something <laughs> along those lines and it's like jesus but like because like uh. that and that's what cartman's idea is because Car- i feel like cartman is a mixture in that episode of like johnny knoxville of like actually doing it and brian cox was like oh i can do this no fucking bother mm. but the the difference is is that like everyone in that episode of Sarah park is like 
or like all the all the like Stan and Kyle like this is the worst thing you've ever done Cartman and he's like oh no I'm gonna win the Special Olympics it's gonna be great whatever and he gets fucking destroyed like because Cartman's Cartman Cartman's an unfit <laughs> like piece of shit yeah, yeah. and uh he gets demolished and like the comedy in that is just watching Cartman like suffer for what he's done mm. but in this like you kind of the film almost wants you to root for Johnny Knoxville yeah, because yeah, there's a whole there's the whole romantic subplot with Christine, which is, is just, just painful, which is very very painful, but it's made like so much worse by, by the, her boyfriend. Oh, her boyfriend, yeah, yeah. I don't even understand how those two people are together. Like, because she works in the Special Olympics, mm. why would she be with someone who treats like people with disabilities as awfully as he does? Uh, they had they had the exact same thing in uh, There's Something About Mary. You ever mm. see that? No, I haven't. There's, there's the exact same uh, dynamic going on there. That's really funny, you know? I think it's just it's just for the joke. But yeah. they also needed Johnny Knoxville to be sympathetic and to have a reason for us to want him to get to get with her. Yeah. But, like... We don't really ever get a reason, though. To- yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> the entire way through, you're just like... Because he, he doesn't reveal that he's a fraud to the very, very, like... The last 10 minutes. And he doesn't win. He comes second place. <laughs> he comes in third place. He comes in third. And okay. he resigns. He's like, I'm a fraud. I'm not actually disabled. And uh, you're thinking to yourself, like, how she can't ever forgive that. Yeah. Because they, they bonded. Their entire friendship is, is based on the fact that, like, they met at the Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. And she, he was a contestant. And she was a volunteer. And she gets up and leaves. And you're thinking, there's no, there's no coming back from that. Like, that's just... And a, that's see, a, two that's, years later. Yeah, that's a piece of shit move. Uh, that would it would have ended perfectly if yeah. if you just you know like Johnny Knoxville that's what you get like yeah. that's that's just yeah. you're a scumbag and that's what happens but like it, it shows uh, at the at the very end of the film like the last scene it's like Johnny Knoxville started up, up like a, a theater troupe where uh, he's like working with all the all the people he all met, the boys all the lads who are all, like one of the the best parts of the film because uh, many great quotable lines but they're working in like a a theater troupe and she walks in. And uh, there's a big reunion, and all the lads want uh, Johnny to get with her. And uh, he's like, "Do you forgive me?" And she's like, "Yep." She just goes, "Yeah, I, yeah, sorry, it's not I even, do forgive you." It's not even two months. Later, it's not even two years. Sorry, it's six months later. Yeah, something. Like, it's not. It's not even that that long afterwards. And it's just like, oh well, I heard why you did it for Stabby's fingers. Like, well, no, like yeah. the only reason why Stabby Stabby lost his fingers in the first place is because yeah. Johnny Knoxville wanted to get a fucking promotion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was so bizarre because they they could have it would have been way funnier if she just walks off and just yeah. never talks to him again. You know? It should they 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 shouldn't have had the the the, the six months later scene. Yeah, yeah. Just leave it with Johnny because he got what he wanted. He got Stabby got his fingers back. Yeah, and Brian Cox got his pet death paid, <laughs> which I guess he had a happy ending to. Yeah, yeah. He's never shown. He kind of cruises throughout this entire film pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just sort of in the background, just being a piece of shit. But yeah, it is. It's, it's fine. You know, it's like. Uh, but like, but like this film, like it's such a product of the two thousands. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even because I I was reading up on it, and like it has like the most like um you know people with disabilities uh, in a film ever. Like I think it was like one hundred and fifty people like with disabilities were like employed yeah, yeah. beyond the film. But I couldn't find out anything about the people that are like in the main like group that he's with. I could not find out whether or not those people actually did have, or those actors did have um, any disabilities. It never came up. So I can't tell if, like, mm. those. I feel like. I feel like most of them did. I feel like most of them had. To, I maybe, feel like maybe, inherently it had to have. Yeah. Like, they had to have had the wherewithal to do that. But I also could not find any confirmation on that. And, like, 
the other thing as well is like most of these actors haven't really done that much either afterwards. Mm. Like Johnny Knoxville, Brian Cox, and uh, uh, Captain Nigel. Yeah, they're the only real like people that are in it that did that much afterwards. Glenn was in Deadpool, but like that's like the Glenn. only thing of no of note that he's done. Glenn, Glenn's the only one that I like. I like maybe he's he doesn't have a he's not disabled or whatever. Because um, the others seem like you know. Like they, they're just like authentic or whatever, mm. and even had they have a conversation and when they're doing like the indoor camping thing, where Ooh. they talk about how like uh, people with disabilities aren't welcome in Hollywood. Yeah, and they talk because there's like a, a sub subplot where Johnny Knoxville wants to become an actor. Yeah, and he doesn't make it, and they they're like, yeah, you'd never make it with that face. And then they talk about like discrimination, basically, or like looks based discrimination in in media and stuff. Very briefly, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel like they definitely would have. They wouldn't have done it that badly. Because there's just so much else stacking against, and the fact that they had a uh, the permission or whatever, or like the the approval, the approval of the Special Olympics, I feel like they they you know sort of pulled through. Because mm. every other aspect about it would be irredeemable if they just had yeah. people just doing impressions for the yeah. entire film. Yeah, you know, that's the, the, the problem is that there's not enough info on the fucking actors because yeah. they, they haven't done that much. Yeah. Which only leads me then to believe that, like, maybe they were, maybe they did have disabilities, because yeah. that is the fucking thing that yeah. they're talking about in the film, where, like, mm. our actors with disabilities can't get roles. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's such a, it's an insane movie. It kind of reminded me of Waterboy. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Which is also a funny film. Yeah. But it's, like, it's also a bit bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's never confirmed to, you know, have anything, but Bobby yeah. Boucher definitely has something. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's another film that um, I found out about that was like similar from the same time period, 2003, Tiptoes, with uh, Matthew McConaughey, Kate Beckinsale, uh, Patricia Arquette, and Gary Oldman, where it's about uh, this guy who falls in love with a girl. She goes back to, uh, goes off with him to meet his parents, and it's Matthew McConaughey, and he's an average sized man, and he has to reveal to his girlfriend that his entire family are like small people. Mm. And Gary Oldman stars as like the, the main small person. He just walks around his knees the entire time. Christ! But they have like uh, <laughs> they just have a uh, they've uh, Peter Dinklage is in as well as one of the small people. But the rest of the cast are, uh, you know, like actually little people and stuff. So it's quite similar to The Ringer in a way. Yeah. You know, you know that same kind of absolutely insane early two thousands. Like, why would you ever make this kind of vibe? Yeah. With a you know a, a premium like Oscar winning drama actor as like the <laughs> as one of the uh, sort of side roles. And then fucking, you know, Matthew McConaughey, Johnny Knoxville and stuff like that. I haven't seen Tiptoes, but like, you, can, you know. I feel like he could bookend all this shit, like from the 2000s with all this stuff. And then at the end, you have Tropic Thunder, where like it has fucking yeah. Robert Downey Jr. and Blackface. But like, that <laughs> film's completely aware of itself. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what, that's what the thing. Like, you, you almost forget, or you wouldn't realize how, how much the, the first few trailers in that film, like the first you know, 10 minutes of that film, we're making fun of films that actually existed, mm-hmm. like I Am Sam and stuff. Yeah. Like, that's one of the films that he watches in uh, in The Ringer. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the same thing that's par- parodied by uh, Simple Jack in uh, Tropic Thunder. It's just like, like those those are films that, few, that they actually made and they thought, oh, this is, this is amazing. This is authentic. This, this is heartwarming, <laughs> yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, yeah, maybe this is all, the, mo- the modern landscape is a reaction against all that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Definitely. We're definitely in a climate now where we're like, you couldn't we're aware that. we're very much aware <laughs> of this stuff from the from the 2000s and like the 90s and the 80s i feel like the 90s was way more egregious with that type of shit i feel like the early 2000s is like as more examples isn't it 
it does but like they're kind of aware of it <laughs> like they're a little bit aware that this what this isn't they, this isn't they okay know, yeah, yeah yeah they definitely know but they still did it you know yeah they still did it <laughs> <laughs> it's like look i'm aware of them, i'm gonna punch you in the face okay like i'm aware i'm gonna do it i'm still gonna do it but i know i'm gonna do it <laughs> yeah yeah but like it's so yeah i think it's just like <laughs> we flew too close to the sun you know <laughs> yeah yeah we just we just they tried it and it didn't work well, you, know, you can't blame them us, you can't blame us them. straight white guys us yeah. straight white cis guys who are neurotypical we flew too close to the sun you know True. <laughs> it was just you know it was a, it was a crazy time you had to be there you had to be there yeah speaking of uh dodgy 2000s classics um idiocracy i've never seen this film idiocracy this is a cult classic, mm. you know. Uh, this is this is a film that people like to say, "Oh, it's actually a documentary," you know, because <laughs> it's about it's about uh, it's Nomadland. About, <laughs> it's basically Nomadland, but in the future and stuff. So it's about a guy and his his guy his guy is Owen Wilson's brother, Luke Wilson. He works for the army, and he's the he's the most average man in the army in yeah. the, the U.S. military. Like they have a, they have a whole scene where they're like <laughs> they actually have a hilarious scene where they're like doing like a presentation. And showing like his IQ and his like his, his running stats mm. and uh, like his, completely average his productivity. Yeah, he's like he's at the top of the bell curve in literally every <laughs> single graph. And then um, basically signing Luke, Luke Wilson up to this program where uh, he's going to be frozen mm. for a year. Okay, for just for a year, just so just they, they can like uh, just t- testing out like cryogenics and stuff like that. But he's being frozen alongside uh, uh, Maya Rudolph, her character. I forget her name. But basically, so they were getting frozen together, and uh, just to, to test these things out. But she's like a, a sex worker, and they picked mm-hmm. her off off the street. And part of the presentation was the Marshall describing how he got her services and stuff like that. And like, they're just, just, just no, but he's like, he's talking like how he got, he got in with the pimp and stuff. Oh, okay. There's a whole, there's a whole like, there's a whole slideshow. It's very, there's parts of this film are hilarious, mm. you know. But the, the the problem is there's a whole like kind of subtext. Uh, so they're be, they're supposed to be frozen for a year. But it ends up that the they pulled the budget from the program, part of like uh, cutbacks or whatever for the economy at the time, Bush era, all that stuff. And uh, so they bulldozed the, the facility that the that the the cryogenic tanks are housed mm-hmm. in, and they're not discovered for another another five hundred years. I feel like if you're gonna pull funding of that, it's like we should probably get them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They're just like, yeah, forget about it. You know, because it's just the most average man in the military and the sex workers. Like, who cares? You know. Yeah. So yeah, so they wake up like five five hundred years later, and things are gone to shit. And they explain it in like a, they have like intertitles and stuff during the film, and they explain how things have happened, how things have developed over the five hundred years, and they explain it that uh, uh, through a, a process of evolution, that uh, he, like mankind has basically become fat mm. and lazy and stuff like that. Like, it's a consumer society where people are just sort of attracted to, you know, the easiest way, the easiest route. Yeah. Uh, it's, of course, it's kind of like Wally. Yeah. Where we evolve, become fatter and stupider and stuff like that. And uh, it basically explains that uh, intelligent people have been bred out of existence. <coughs> and, uh, well, yeah, so the world in 2505, it's just like a fucking massive garbage dump. And it's like, it's like hellscape dictatorship. And uh, Luke Wilson wakes up, and he's the most average man, most average intelligence, most average physique, and all that stuff. But he wakes up, and he's suddenly the the, the smartest man on earth. And uh, uh-huh. so that's the whole thing. That's but that's that's the problem. Ah, uh, idiot! Uh, what's it called? Idiocracy. Ah, uh, yeah. Democracy. 
but we're idiots. It. But it is. So that's that's the problem because it's basically saying that uh, you know, eugenics is all right in a way. Yeah. So, but it is hilarious. Mm. It is hilarious in, in in many points, and they basically have to. Uh, Luke Wilson's character has to get like a job or something like that. Yeah. But he doesn't want to get it. It's, like, it's kind of like Futurama where he just want to get to like the fucking. He just has to get like uh, a barcode on his wrist. Yeah. I just want to get it, and uh, he gets imprisoned. And he escapes by just like walking up to the guard and being like, "I'm not supposed to go to prison." And the guard's like, "Okay," and he just like lets him out. And he walks away. And like it's it's all like it's all played in like good humor and stuff. Mm. But at the same time, you have this overarching point where you're like, "I don't know about this." You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. this is kind of fascist or something like yeah. that. You know, but it is funny. And uh, basically, he walks out of prison, and uh, he gets hunted down by the police, and he he like revives my Rudolph's character, and uh, you know, Dak Shepard. The guy, uh, he's in like. I recognize that name. Yeah, he's that guy. He's a very recognizable guy. He's in like fucking, without a paddle and all that stuff. Um, but basically, Dak Shepard is in this as well, and his character is extremely annoying because he's basically when uh, Luke Wilson revives, he uh, crashes through the window of uh, this guy's apartment, and he just talks like this the entire time, and he's just like, he's just annoying. Mm. basically the quest they're on Luke Wilson Dak Shepard my Rudolph they're trying to find a thing called the time machine which Dak Shepard assures them is a thing and he's like yeah it's just on the other side of the city and uh, so they're trying to get there but w- while they're trying to get there they're contacted by uh, Terry Crews you know Terry oh, Crews oh king yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, he's, he's the president <laughs> he is now the president he's uh, President Camacho I think and uh, he's just like he's just this crazy guy. He's basically like he's like a Trump kind of character. Yeah. And that that was like like where this this film like kind of took like a second life, like mainly after Trump, because people were like oh idiocracy we're living yeah. in under idiocracy and stuff. Because he's like a Camacho's like a sort of populist kind of character. He's yeah. Like, he just like flexes his muscles and like shoots guns and stuff whenever people ask him questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, he brings Luke Wilson on board because he's the smartest man on earth. And he makes him the secretary of uh, defense or something like that. And so he has to, like, solve the problems of America yeah. in the future. Because America in the future is, is completely fucked because everyone's, uh, you know, deficient or whatever. Everyone's below average. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the fucking, all the lessers have, uh, you know, basically taken over. Which is a bit, you know, you know, the entire time you're like, oh, I don't yeah. know about this. But it's like accidentally pro-eugenics. <laughs> no, it's completely intentionally pro-eugenics. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. But, um so he brings Luke Wilson on board. He's like, oh, our crops don't work. Uh, you know, the city's full of fucking smoke and shit like that. Like, how do we fix this? And uh, he, Luke Wilson finds out that they've been watering the crops with Gatorade. Uh, and so he's like, no, you have to use water. And uh, <laughs> it's funny, though. It's yeah. played off. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. funny the way they play it off. Like, Gamer bros rise up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, like Gatorade doesn't work. It kills the crops. You have to use water. And uh, it doesn't work at first because obviously the crops take a while to grow yeah. and so they tried to lynch him <laughs> but then um, then they start growing and stuff and he succeeds and um, he sort of saves America in the future so he goes off to the time machine him, Maya Rudolph and uh, Dak Shepard but it turns out the time machine is actually a roller coaster called the time machine uh. and, and um, he's like yeah he's like did you always know this was a, time- this was a roller coaster and Dak Shepard's like yeah I just thought you really liked roller coasters man <laughs> and I was like you know, so then he stays in the future and mm. he just, you know, uh, helps out America in, in the future. So it is, it's a funny film, you know. I don't, I, I don't think I got that across, but it actually is pretty funny. Yeah. It's actually like... You, t- you focus too much on the eugenics, bro. <laughs> oh, no, no. The, the, yeah, that's well, that's the thing. That's that's where you have to... Because it's not like a historically funny film. 
Like, there's nothing exceptional about it. It's just because it, it's Mike Judge, the guy who did uh, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Great sense of humor. So a lot of a lot of cool jokes, you know, and like even the ones like it's the premise is inherently problematic in the sense that it's obviously, you know, uh, you know, people are stupid and stuff and only only uh, only the elite and the, only and the, the elite intelligent can rise up. Should Yeah, should breed. Yeah. Basically what it says. Um, but it's still funny, you know, I yeah. still liked it. I still enjoyed it. It's just, just there was just issues. It's just it's it's the most two thousands film, you know. Like the, I think the two thousands was completely completely unique in like that that kind of outlook. Like yeah. you would never get away with that today. You I don't think you would have got away with that in the nineties, you know. I think it's just something about like the two thousands and just the boom, and it's like everything's fucking grand. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't because it's just there's a series of films that came out then that just don't make any sense. Yeah. See, the other thing as well is like, you have the, you have like, not even like that major of a fucking backlash to this and then all of a sudden there's like, you know what, fuck this, we're gonna elect Trump. (laughs) Like, it's not even that big of a backlash like pre-Trump. It's like, eh, it's kind of, there's a bit of a backlash. Uh, This would be more like, you know, people use this against Trump It's like, he is Camacho. Yeah. Like, he's the, he is Terry Crews. Yeah, he is like, he wishes. Like, all these people who voted for Trump are, uh, you know, deficient. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, we need and to the, breed them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Well, like, you know, everyone could use it against whatever. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I think it's maybe a Bush kind of, Bush era kind of thing where you had like... It's an arrogance. Yeah, you had people on the right and people on the left who believed that there, you know, there was like a, that there was a center, that a center could exist mm. and that there were, there was like an enlightened kind of uh, elite above everyone else. Yeah. And that this was the end, you know, the end of history and all that kind of thing. And there, there, there was, things were only going to get worse from here. If they could change it all, yeah, you know that kind of thing. Maybe it's reading a bit too much into idiocracy. Yeah, no, because yeah, it's like this thing is like, oh well, there's no more, there's no more evil, there's no more force, so we're just gonna get lazy. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, the only way from here is down. Yeah, it's like it's only gonna get worse. But it is. It's a cool artifact from from the period. Yeah, and uh, it's funny film. I feel it's like, very funny. I feel like the comedy movies from the two thousands really tell a lot about the era. Yeah, that's going to be an area of study in the in the years. I see you years ahead. You definitely yeah, because like what what is what isn't isn't funny is such a reflection of the mm. times, or even just what like how they're going about saying it. Yeah, you know? we go for listener questions. Yeah, if you want to ask us a question, give us feedback. Hit us up with anything. Tell us your opinions. Uh, you can contact you can contact us at paro underscore pod on Twitter or. Instagram and uh, Mark, what is what is the what is the Gmail? The Gmail is the paropod at gmail dot com at gmail dot com at uh, yeah at <laughs> that's it that's it that's it that's the way we, we do plug it plug the bits aye um, and uh, first questions coming in first questions coming in from last week from Neil sorry Neil sorry Neil <laughs> man we didn't see it when we were recording last week but he's asking a very good question he's asking strangest book you have ever read. And he he requires an in-depth analysis. House of Leaves. House of Leaves. Yeah. Mm. By Daniel... Lazuski. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Lazuski or Lazuski? Zavlieski. Can you pass me the book there? Oh, it's no. Cursed. Mark Z. Da- Danieleski. Mark Z. Danieleski. House of Leaves. Um, it's a book about a about a house, basically. Uh, oh, God. It's actually really hard to describe. It's basically... <laughs> like, it's about a, the core narrative is about a house that has like a room that shouldn't exist like the room technically should open up onto like the outside of the house but it's like this infinite space and like people go like get really drawn to it and they like obsess over it and it's told in like loads of different parts it's like 
I can't even. I, it's kind of. It's like people you read. You're reading people's notes based on a film, based on the room, like itself. But you're also reading an autobiography about someone that lived in the house, and there's also pizza bits of piece of paper from like other people that like know about the room, or whatever. It's all about like obsession over the room. But there's a point where we follow a diary, or like I can't remember if it's a diary or if it's like transcribing. Uh, someone that's wearing a GoPro going through the fucking place or something like that. But anyway, there's a moment in the book where like this dude is like uh, in the in the impossible space, and he's after getting lost. And like there was like an expedition team that were, were with them, but they've lost him, and he, he's completely gone. And he's like going, he's like crawling on the space as the space gets narrower and narrower. But the text in the book starts get, gets narrower and narrower as well to the point where there's literally like one line in the middle of the book in the middle of the page and to emphasize like the narrowing of the space whatever mm. and then he he falls like downwards and the the text drops to the bottom of the of the page and like just shit like that really experimental right? really experimental with the with the medium of of a of a book and uh, it's really long but it's not that long because it's pretty easy to read like when i'm just showing you now like there's loads of x's on this page for some reason yeah uh there's like bits where it's just like uh, chapters one to six were missing, so they just ignored. It. So there's a, a few blank pages to represent that and stuff like that. Mm. Didn't you get two copies of this? I did. Who the fuck did I give the second copy to? I don't know. I did it's get a, two it, copies of this though. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. I don't know what I did with the second copy. It's Paro. That is Paro. That actually is Paro. I have yeah. no <laughs> idea if I gave it to. Because I don't even know who would want even want the second copy of this. Yeah. I thought I would have given it to you. Yeah, I remember you saying it to me. But like, just disappeared into the ether. I must have returned it or something. But why? I don't know why yeah, I would have done it for that. free, didn't you? Maybe I didn't get it for free, and that's why I gave it to maybe. or get, I returned it. Maybe, maybe the book was absorbed by the other book. Who knows? You know? Maybe it did. It's one of those things. Books that mess your head. But yeah, that's the strangest book I've ever read. It's really really cool. It's really weird. It's good as well. It's creepy. It's actually really scary. Like, genuinely really scary, like, when you read it. Mm. What about you? Yeah, the strangest book I ever read, probably Naked Lunch. Probably the, the like, go-to answer for that, you know? Yeah. I read Naked Lunch when I was, like, 16 or 17. Messed up, messed up. I still, I've never read it all the way through, but, like, that's the point. Aaron has my copy of that. Does he? Yeah. A snake. Aaron really likes that book as well. Does he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, a re- it's, a, it's an amazing book. Like, it's, it's one of those things... Where if you're trying to write something, like, you can just open it up and it'll have, like, it's just, like, like saturated with ideas, mm-hmm. you know? Because yeah. the way he wrote it was, he, like, you know, William Burroughs, there's this crazy guy who was, like, just a complete kind of, like, deviant in every way. Yeah. And, uh, like, complete decadent. And he just, like, write sort of stream of consciousness, like, uh, impressionistic kind of stuff. And he had, like, reams and reams of stuff because he took loads of drugs and stuff and he'd be on, like, stimulants while he was writing it. Same as, like, Jack Kerouac and, like, Ginsburg. All part yeah, of the all same the boys. things. All, all the beats. Of, all the beats, yeah. And so, like, but he'd get... Uh, the way Kerouac would write that would be he'd just, like, he'd have it in the scroll and then he'd edit it later. That's what he did on the mm-hmm. road. Um, and he'd just change the names or, like, tighten up the, the language and stuff like that. The way Burroughs would do it, his approach was uh, he'd go back to the first draft and he get he take like a razor and he cut out different parts of the uh, of the parchment or the paper or whatever and then rearrange them in like different orders to and he whichever order he found the most like 
uh, compelling. Mm. That's that's the final order. That would be like his next draft. That's really smart. You know, which uh, obviously like the book doesn't really make a lot of sense in that way, but it's kind of the point. That's kind of the point, you know. Um, you know, it's just like a mishmash of ideas. Really, really creative. And it's like really disturbing as well. Mm. Extremely disturbing. Oh man, it's so fucked up. That bit with the the kid gets hung and he starts coming and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I always just remember that bit. That that bit was all fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah, but it does have like a plot and stuff because it's about like the interzone. Because uh, that was a real thing. Like he lived in in Morocco, and there was like a place in Morocco. I think it was Tangiers, where there was like a it was like an international zone. So, like laws didn't apply the same way they would. Yeah, normally. So it was like this weird kind of like libertarian space where you could basically, it's like free kind of creativity, kind of utopia, but at the same time it was a complete shithole. Yeah. It was full of like misery and like suffering and stuff. And <laughs> that's what he was writing about. <laughs> and uh, You can believe freedom, but the freedom is the worst fucking drug trip you've ever been on. Yeah, you don't want to be free. That's like the point of the book, maybe. But uh, yeah, his ideas are crazy, you know? Yeah, Burroughs is a very interesting Absolutely dude. insane, you know? Like... Very, very strange guy. Very, yeah. very problematic man. Oh. But at the same time... Oh, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Amazing book. Um, other than that, maybe A Clockwork Orange. Ever that? Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, I love the, I love the language in that. Yeah, the language in that is the main it's thing. It's amazing, you yeah. know? Like, uh, it's like a combination of, of Russian, of like vernacular Russian and English. And uh, I don't know, because he wrote that in a few days. Yeah. Because I don't know how he... Cause it's a short book as well. It's only like 80 mm. pages or something. Yeah, it's not that long. And the guy was English. But he incorporated, he basically like synthesized Russian and English and created like a whole new language out of it. Mm. And like the book, but the book makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes perfect you can, sense. You can read it like it's, but like it's poetic. Like it's not, it's, it's not just sensible. It's like poetic and how, yeah, and how they talk and stuff. It's like I was amazed that he, he managed to do that. You know, it's a great book. Yeah, it's it great really book is a great well. book. Better I, than the uh, than the film. Mm, yeah. You know, books kind of fallen into a bit of a hole the past, you know, 100 years or whatever. Yeah, we're it's kind of the same thing yeah. again and again, yeah. Got to mix it up. Mm. You know, Joyce kind of killed the novel, didn't he? Fucking Ulysses. There's a fucking, yeah. there's a most, there's a strange fucking book. Yeah. I mean, I remember. Yeah, you read re- that, yeah. No, I, quotation marks, read it. Like, <laughs> there I there was passages of that book where I was like, I do not understand what's going on. I just flicked by. Mm. I love to read Finnegan's Wake. I'd love to read Finnegan's Wake with an audiobook. How? That doesn't make any sense. Like, because uh, I noticed that when we were studying Ulysses, I found a massive help was uh, listening to an audiobook while reading along while the audiobook was going ahead. Oh, right. Because you could hear what Joyce was going for. Like, there's a moment, and I remember it reading it the, like, the first time. And there's this bit where like I literally could not make out what the fuck it was. But it's because you're meant to read it out loud. And when you read it out loud, it was... Uh, bloom like walking by a, a school and it's them reciting the abcs but like he wrote it in this really weird way but when you read it out loud you can hear a b c d e oh, f g yeah, yeah. but when i was listening to the audiobook i was like oh that's what he's doing but it makes it made no sense because i was reading it in silence <laughs> yeah 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 yes yeah, yeah i suppose there's another way you can just like change the format yeah the form of the book joyce just knew what he was doing yeah yeah Strange i mean guy. like when you start like Ulysses incredibly difficult book like the most difficult book of all time when you study it and you've, you're told like this is what he's doing it makes you're just like this is fucking genius like how the fuck mm. can anyone think of this books though I'm telling you yeah something else something in that books are good there's the like that's the thing with like with like fiction I came to this like kind of struggle of like why would you ever read fiction 
Like, I just had that, like, for a while. It's like, I don't see any reason why you'd read fiction. Mm. But then you started reading fiction again. It's like, ah, yeah, this is why. Because it's kind of chilled. And, you know, if you're reading good fiction anyway, it'll teach you something. Yeah, better rhythm too as well. Yeah, yeah nonfiction is so, like, intense. Yeah. You know, you feel you like you break have to. afterwards. You have to read everything. Fiction, you can skip loads of it. That's what I do anyway. You know, yeah, you just, like, like, you can kind of zone out when you're reading this. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you don't have to. You know, I feel like they need to take notes on reading nonfiction and stuff. Yeah, I know, man. When I'm reading nonfiction, I literally have a highlighter and I got fucking bits, like little notes, yeah. and I just highlight them and then I take notes afterwards. Yeah, heck of it. Just to try and remember the fucking shit that I learned from the book. Yeah, half the time I forget it. Yeah, I don't remember anything from, yeah. <laughs> from any of the stuff I've read. I just remember general concepts, but I don't remember the, like how in depth they go into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. definitely my, that book over there, women, gender, and Islam, pff, gone. I can't remember a fucking thing from it. Really. Mm remember like general concepts but there's like all this shit from like the history of like islam and like how women were treating like early islam i cannot remember any of it i remember just being more egalitarian than western culture and that's it that's all i remember (laughs) (laughs) but i can't remember the specifics of how it was that's all you need for for twitter you know be grand yeah (laughs) it it just was don't ask me how it just was (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's hard bro it's so hard to remember yeah, there's just too much information in this information age. The information age. Like Liam's question. I mean, like, what film killed Prince Philip? Like, that's too much information there. What, what film did kill him? Any Gasper in a way film. Climax. Maybe Cl- climaxed into into the afterlife. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe enter the void then, actually, for that one then. Maybe enter yeah. the void, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's another? Maybe like Midsummer Hereditary or something. The last fucking 30 hereditary, minutes. Yeah. Last 20 minutes of Hereditary. They stuck that on. You know, not enough. Maybe Andrew had something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely Prince Philip. Like his entire family were perverts. I mean, uh, he, he probably died like fucking one of those things. You know, the actors always die of like autoerotic asphyxiation. I was going to say, that. like, what film killed him was probably those tapes from Epstein Island or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was Jeffrey Epstein killed him. Yeah. He's still alive, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What film? Yeah, Jesus. You wouldn't want to see that film, I'll tell you that. The Ringer killed him. <laughs> Yeah. they stuck on the ringer for for granddad he just laughed too much he just found it hilarious yeah, <laughs> yeah he laughed too much yeah, he's <laughs> he'd love that though I guarantee you he, he would have loved that film he would have you know? imagine that imagine that like he would have been what age was he when the ringer came out 90, 80, 88 or something like that. He was in his 80s. In his mid 80s. Wait, what age is he? He, he, was, like, he was 99. He was 99. He was, he was, yeah. he was turning 100. I, I, think, think, a he, I think a week later yeah, or something, something like that. Yeah. So close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, but imagine like you're in your like mid 80s and the ringer comes out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, you know? Like, like what, will, what will movies look like when we're 85? Man, imagine being <laughs> in your fucking seventies and Pulp Fiction comes out. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? Because he would have been born. He was born in what? The forties. Twenty-one. Oh shit! Yeah, what am I talking about? The forties. <laughs> he literally fought World War Two. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally nineteen twenties. Nineteen twenty-one. Man's born in nineteen twenty-one, and he saw fuck. He probably saw the ringer. You he probably know? did. He probably saw Shrek. Yeah, he, he saw Shrek, Shrek. too. That's what killed him because he was like, no film can beat this. I'm, <laughs> I'm tapping out. Yeah. I'm tapping out. I've seen film perfection. Uh, I've seen enough, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. What films do you think killed him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what killed Like, I think Epstein tapes is a good, is a good show. <laughs> you know? He was just fucking <laughs> naked lunch job by accident. 
Oh my god. Yeah, you know, loved it. Yeah. Poor poor Phil died doing what he loved. <laughs> Kids. Dirty bastard. <laughs> uh, and then our question to the listener <laughs> is about uh, film genres. We asked you is what you think? Are they necessary? All that spiel. Uh, Liam says genre matters in every form of art I can't hold kids bop on the same wave as Kendrick Um, yeah I mean I mean yeah but at the same time kids bop lyrics production vocals show yeah (laughs) you know but like what the fuck even is kids bop that's the one it's where like your kids choir do covers of popular pop songs Christ okay yeah fuck that never heard that no no I thought Kids Bop was like a genre. Or like a band. Yeah, it is like a band, yeah. Fuck that. It's a band of kids. Um, but like... I suppose it is a different but like that's, genre. That's, it's a different mm, genre. I suppose. Yeah, you wouldn't have like like a, a gimmicky kids kind of compilation album that is in, you know, like the magnum opus of the Kids Bop genre, you know? Yeah. You wouldn't have that, you know? Yeah, there, yeah, there is no such thing as that. That's just a, yeah. yeah, it's a... I suppose it's like a genre unto itself. See, the problem is, is like with music, I feel like like kids' music, it's pretty shit. Yeah, yeah, but it sort of has to be. It has to be repetitive and stuff. But like with kids' movies, it's a different thing because people would compare like kids' mm. movies, like something like I don't know, like Toy Story two, fucking Shrek two, uh, fucking Angry Birds two, whatever. Um, yeah. They're all they would be considered like the like the films are considered way more like like you could argue. And we do that. Shrek Two is one of the Often. greatest films of all time, <laughs> and it's far better than any fucking uh, Oscar <clears throat> award-winning film. It is. It is. Shrek Two is leaps and bounds better than Nomadland. Yeah, yeah. Genre. So, so what is? How does genre factor into that? Because I'm just talking about the kids, like the kids bop, like yeah, so yeah. like kids films, kids films as a genre. Yeah. If you want to take that as a genre, it's like, what does that mean though? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm sort of getting confused here. See, the thing, so, yeah, yeah, I, 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 made a, I made a stupid point, but no, 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 no. I, I'm just like, uh, what I mean like, is like, like what can like right. So we take kids bop. But music is very difficult because I feel like music genres. I don't even know. It's kids music even a genre? I guess it is. Like fucking is, yeah. shark, that fucking baby shark shite, whatever the fuck it is. Baby shark, yeah. Like that's 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 huge. That's man. That's massive. Massive money in there. Yeah, maybe that's what we need to do. <laughs> Fuck this podcast and shit. We're making no money off this. <laughs> it's their kids' podcasts. Yeah, but like kids, genre matters. How does genre factor into that though? Like like age differences. I wouldn't say age differences is a genre, is it? No. You know, like, but like like let's say uh, horror, horror drama genre. How does genre factor into that? I feel like genre and that, like, because I feel like, I feel like, right, that's actually a really good comparison, drama and horror, because I feel like drama is, like, where you, you expect, like, things to be, like, analyzed, whatever, but in horror, you have the exact same thing, like, mm. but it's... It's with, more immediate. With horror, it's more, like, the the themes are, like, physical objects within the film. Yeah, yeah. Like, with, uh, um, I'm trying to think of a fucking... A drama that, like, say if you have a drama that Revolutionary Road, I've never seen that. <laughs> like, no, the what, Aviator. But what I mean is Nomadland. Yeah, Nomadland. Uh, no, because it's not real. Right, right, right. Let's say Nomadland. Right, in Nomadland, uh, if Nomadland actually took the fucking case of like Amazon seriously and they actually critiqued it, but they did like yeah, like a Ken Loach film. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they critique uh, capitalism, whatever. Like that's like a commentary on capitalism, whatever. But in horror. 
the capitalist being would be a physical being in the which is a villain and it's way easier to read that way mm, yeah like yeah. uh fucking chopping mall or fucking like the way that we talk about michael myers and like texas yeah, and yeah. leatherface and stuff like that like yeah, yeah, yeah. the meanings are physical beings that move throughout the in film the text, yeah. and it's way easier to read that way but in jo- in drama they might just talk about it and you're like oh i feel really sad for them but like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah 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 i get you I like get i you. feel like that way you could compare them but like i don't really i don't know if, like i think the worst conversations ever is when you're talking about a film and you're like debating on whether or not something is is a horror or whether or not it's sci-fi or whether or not it's a fucking drama or a comedy or whatever yeah like alien what is alien sci-fi horror that's two things sci-fi horror i suppose yeah the alien is oh, scary yeah, yeah. and they use darkness like to make him scary yeah alien aliens is not a horror film but alien is no aliens is an action movie yeah action yeah that's the thing though it's a like, sci-fi action movie it's like a it's like going back to our our question about the ratings mm. rings out of 10 it's like you're quantifying something that doesn't need to be quantified to an extent you know yeah like a lot of the time it doesn't really matter you know like you, you can't compare pretty much everything I think you know well can you I don't know cause I like, don't know I'm getting really confused with this because <laughs> remember we're we talked loops. remember we were talking about the, the ratings thing and I said is a 10 out of 10 comedy better than a 10 out of 10 horror film mm. like how do you quantify these two things yeah well yeah they're different things aren't they they're yeah. doing completely separate things which in that case like genre does kind of matter but like as film as a whole yeah you know you're kind of just like drawing lines in the sand yeah you're just sort of going around in circles which kind of leads us into Neil's response Neil says genres are constructed by us how many genres are there uh, is there a set amount we know them when you see them but what about films like Parasite I think that's a very good point, you know. Neil, that's a fucking shout. That is a shout and a half, because, you know, like, it all kind of comes back into, like, genres is like something something we sort of, we apply to films, and, like, in turn, it kind of shapes how films are made. And so, our expectations for the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, to that extent, genre is real, genre is a legitimate thing, but it's something that is basically, uh, originates in us, you know, it's not something that needs to be there you know like you can have a film that is, does not doesn't doesn't meet any genre expectations like parasite and it's perfect like it works it's yeah. you don't need a genre to it but a lot of the time, genre is just kind of like a consumer and consumer the, demand you know it's a marketing kind yeah. of a like a fucking mirage of marketing you know yeah i also think though like like for audiences like when people are like i don't like horror films like what the what the fuck do you mean you don't like horror like what the fuck does that mean mm, yeah like, I understand when people are like, oh, I don't like gore films. Like, films that are really gory. It's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But what about something like, I don't know, something like Conjuring or something? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't like gore films. Like, that's all right. That's that's a that's a form of horror. That's a that's a subgenre of horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, that's me just drawing the lines again. Like, it's, Yeah, a gore, like what makes a gore film? Yeah, like how much gore is like, may, quantifies as, as a gore villain. But again, it is like, you know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. But at the same time, do you need to see it, you know? Yeah. Because to the extent that it does exist, it's obviously mostly 
for the purposes of market categorization you know mm. so you can like you were saying something about parasite being yeah my sister was telling me that uh bon Joon ho when he was like marketing or whatever the executives or whatever like we need a we need to slap a we need to slap a genre on this what genre is this film and he was like well then i was like it's a it's a couple of things it's like a mystery it's a kind of a horror this comedy and then this drama and they're like okay pick two and i was like well ah fucking uh drama horror kind of but it's not really i was like okay that will do but it's also a heist movie mm. but it's also something more than that like yeah it's like it's one of those things it's like like hyper specialization everything has to be specialized these days everything's like annihilated into like it's these tiny little subcultures and stuff mm. and like like everything like marketing is always about the smallest that you need to know your demographic yeah and your demographic has to be really precise and like necessarily it always has to be like quite small as well so you're aiming for people that are like quite a small section of people with very specific tastes. Yeah. And so you need to like, you know, your your film is a fucking, you know, grind, core, slasher, gore film or whatever. Yeah. You know, it can't just be like, it can't just be a film. You yeah, know? you need to market yourself to a subset yeah. of people. Genre, like to that extent, is like kind of reciprocated from consumer demand and like what people are willing to spend money on, I suppose. Yeah. In that kind of way. Because like you think about folklore, like go back to folklore. Yeah. Like folklore, like what genres are there? Did they have back in the day? They didn't. They didn't. They didn't really have any. They, they just, just had tales. They just had. They had tall tales and they had stories and epics and stuff like that. But they didn't have like, you know, this is a horror story. Yeah. You know, sit around the campfire. I'm going to tell you a horror story. Yeah, that yeah. Didn't, that didn't they said stories. Some some parts were scary. Some parts were cool. Some parts were funny. You know. But I think then that like that's that's why at the time when Parasite came out and like not a lot of people had seen it people really struggled to describe to other people what Parasite was about because they didn't really want to spoil it, but they couldn't really apply a genre to it because it kind of defies genre. Yeah. And I feel like films like Parasite kind of like move in between genres like in a really not like nice and like smooth way, which is like one of the reasons why I think Parasite's so great. But um, it kind of defies genre, kind of proves the point that like, especially especially because parasite is a south korean film that like did very well in the west and like genres are very heavily steeped in western society and western culture because mm. of like how hollywood has been set up because mm. it's a marketing thing yeah yeah so they kind of need they need to have something but like you know you don't need you don't need that that kind of li- that little box to fit into you know you, it's a you limitation can, you can just kind of vibe with it like something like pendus fan i wouldn't say pendus fan as a, as a genre you know no or um sorry. i think it's classified as a horror film but it's not it's, it's not, not scary it's yeah not, it's not a horror film. sorry to bother you something like that it's not really a genre it's kind of a comedy it's a f- mm. it's, the most i'd say is a comedy but it's, it's kind of a horror as well it's kind of a horror film you know <laughs> but like when your uh success is like predicated on you know getting butts and seats and getting people mm. paying for tickets you need that you need to sort of play up to these different uh conventions and stuff like that yeah whereas if you're not really too fussed about it say like pendus fan you're going to get broadcast on the BBC either way. Yeah. Um, so do whatever you want. Sorry to bother you. It's an independent film. Parasite, you know, you're massive in South Korea. You can basically do what you want. You can. You don't need to play up that those roles, which yeah. uh, which almost is like a, a bigger uh, like condemnation of like the big studio films where all these, like these hugely talented people all come together and make films that are like as formulaic and like basic as possible. Yeah. And just like pure genre films, which is a complete waste, complete waste of time and like talent and like, potential you know absolutely like because people will watch them either way yeah like, that's the point like, you know, like i never consider genre when i'm watching a movie yeah. but, but only only if people like oh i don't want to watch uh 
I'm not in the mood to watch a fucking drama or like a slow drama or whatever. But like one of the reasons why I think John is complete bollocks is when I open up my letterbox and I go into my stats of the year or whatever and it tells me the number one category that I watch is drama. I'm like, I wouldn't even think I wouldn't even think that I watch drama movies. Yeah. But apparently it's the number one thing that I watch because everything's a fucking drama. Everything's dramatic these days. Yeah. <laughs> so much drama. <laughs> <laughs> But something like David Lynch movies, like they get categories yeah, under the genre of experimental. What the fuck does that mean? That's a great. That's a great point. David Lynch defies. You know, like even Twin Peaks. Yeah. I'm still not sure what Twin Peaks is about, but I, I know I can vibe with it. Yeah. I know that I, you know, I'd be interested in watching it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, yeah genre is a weird one. It's an inch. It is a. It's always. It's interesting to think about genre, and like why it is what it is. Yeah. Like, do you think genre matters? No. Yes, not I really know. Not the, the only time I, of things. I do think the only time it matters is when like I'm recommending saying, it, like yeah. vague indicators as to why you might like a movie. Yeah, you can't just be like, oh, you like X. Yeah, because then you know the person just ignore you or whatever. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like this, but it's also like th- it's also like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we leave yeah. it at that. We'll leave it there. So, and uh, next week we are talking about Greg Ari- Ariakis. Probably butchering that name, but anyway, it's uh, nowhere. Um, Quick little content warning for Nowhere. Uh, the film involves uh, a rape. And there is also a suicide in the film. So if you don't watch the film, don't worry about it. You can skip it. Uh, we'll be talking about some of these aspects uh, in the episode next week. So I have no idea where you can find this. But it is, it's everywhere at the same time. Um, Nowhere and everywhere. So look it up. Go into Google. Just, you know, watch everywhere. Oh, what's this? Link. Anyway. Um... Yeah, we'll be back next week talking about that. Grand. All right. Sign Eric. Bye. Bye.